What's up, gang? Tonight we are graced by author Andy Gilly for his third appearance on A Cut Above Horror Review. He's along for the ride as we chase the tall man through Phantasm 2 in episode 112 of A Cut Above. Prepare for an episode that's balls to the walls starting now. Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your temporary host, Hydroberg, and tonight we will be discussing Phantasm 2 Electric Boogaloo from 1988. But first, let's meet everyone else on the show. First up, author and friend of the show, Andy Gilly. Welcome back, man. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. It's Thank nice to be back. Uh, back. Yeah, it's yeah. nice to have you back. It's been a while. It has been a while. I uh, I had a little bit of a uh, maybe midlife crisis or something where I... Uh, I uh, quit my job and moved up to my vacation house in uh, Upper Michigan, and uh, I was a little bit uh, antisocial, so uh, <laughs> so I disappeared for a little while. And um, but uh, it's it's I appreciate you having me back. I hope we're the first podcast you've come on since you've come out of the wilderness. I am. <laughs> you guys are, yeah. <laughs> uh, next all- up is I'm sorry. Uh, no, I, I was saying he's all clean shaven. You know, he looks like he's ready to go. Oh, he looks very handsome. Exactly. I did yeah. I did have a beard for a while. I dig it. <laughs> I can see it on you. For the listeners yeah. that can't see, he looks like Johnny Sins. <laughs> and if you know, you know. Uh, next up is John. Yeah. John, what's going on, John? How you doing? What's up, Hydroberg? Andy Gilly, my hey, friend, hey, my John. buddy. Good to see you again. You are Back looking together. healthy. You're, you're looking, uh, looking good there, my friend. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I dig it. Should we talk about the past? Yeah, let's no, talk about the past a little bit. Yeah, we well, Andy and I actually got started when we were working in radio in Wisconsin. Um, no bitterness there, though. Um, uh, Horophoria. That's how Andy and I got introduced. Um, a little backstory to that is uh, we were walking down the halls one day. And we were talking about horror movies. What was it? Was it Trick or Treat that we brought up? I, I think like, Trick or Treat kind of started the conversation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and then it just popped it, yeah, popped into my head of like, well, you know, the radio station is looking for more content on the website. What about a podcast? We have all the tools right in front of us. Let's do it. So, and that was history, man. We we did 97, 98 We did episodes. 98 episodes. Oh, Maybe we were that 99. close to 100? Oh, okay. Very close to 100. I, I thought about doing one myself so that we could we could get 100, get but threshold, it man. wasn't going to be the same without you, so. Well, I got my ass fired, so you know there you go. <laughs> it ha- well, it's the radio industry, mm-hmm. <laughs> such as like. Oh, don't I know? <laughs> yeah. You guys did have a great show. I was a fan, a listener. I found you guys through Straight Chilling, mm-hmm. and um, I just I found several podcasts through them actually, and then created a podcast because of that, because of awesome listening to you guys. So yeah, and I never would have heard of Blood Harvest until I met Andy. <laughs> Well, yeah, that God, was man. we we did some real uh, classic movies in, uh, on Horrorphoria. That's the one with something. Tiny Tim, right? It yeah. is. That we is did the one filmed in Wisconsin. Yeah, we did uh, porno. We did, we did. We did Veronica. <laughs> yeah, Verotica. <you> did. <laughs> we did Veronica. 
We did do that one. You know, Danzig's newest movie hasn't. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to see Danzig on September 17th, Chicago. Oh, um, so maybe I can ask him about that. Uh, but he's got like a new vampire, uh, uh, like a vampire Western movie. What? Wasn't that thing supposed to come out like four years ago? Well, it did come it out did. like two years ago, but it's still not on. You can't watch it uh, on video anywhere. So not, I don't know. Is it streaming anywhere? No. What Not was it all. called again? Something in the dark in the Vampire uh, Riders or something Rider and Vampire in the House of the, yeah, the House of Vampires. Remember. Dark Rider yeah. in the House of the Vampires. That's, That's it. it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's got Devin Sawa in it too. And Danny yes. Trail. Oh my god. It, it's the last appearance of Julian Sands. Oh shit. Oh shit. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Jinx. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know he was in that. He was in that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, if anybody who's listening can see that Jacqueline's not here right now, she's uh, feeling a little under the weather tonight. So we hope she feels better. And we're that's a radio feel- term. That is such a radio. She, she's sick. She, she doesn't under feel the weather. <laughs> she's got the shits. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. She doesn't feel good. Oh, yeah, put her on blast now. That's cool. She's not. Here. Yeah, that was a joke. You <laughs> because I wasn't implying anything. No. It could be the worst thing. But mm-hmm. uh, John, um, yes, do you have any news for us? Any horror I do. News? I do. It's very, very slow out there because Hollywood is still on strike. So um, I dug up as much as I could. Uh, had you guys watch a a new trailer that's out? Uh, H.P. Lovecraft inspired a film called, I believe it's a Minori or Minor, M-I-N-O-R-E. So okay. Minori. Uh, thoughts about the trailer, Andy? I well, it looked like it had some interesting. I, I don't know, as uh, some interesting imagery, I guess. Uh, the guy's face coming off. Uh, yeah. It did look very Lovecraftian to me. And mm-hmm. I'm glad you said that because that was the, you know, the adjective I thought of when I saw it. And maybe I, and I thought maybe that was just because uh, anything with tentacles in it, I, I think is Lovecraftian, but. Which uh, it is. Yeah, I really don't know. <laughs> I just know that uh, if I see tentacles, I call it Lovecraftian. People seem to go, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh but uh i don't know i'm not sure it's a i didn't get the impression i I did some more reading afterwards and i didn't just i didn't get the impression from the trailer that it was a comedy at all and Mm. uh it it had the trailer made it look a lot darker than uh, i think the movie actually is yeah it was described as a greek horror comedy yeah I, I, I was getting like a little wes anderson vibe from the styling of it like the the aesthetic um yeah and yeah, I did. I did obviously pick up on the Lovecraftian vibes right away. I mean, you you can't not. And then it gets real silly. It looks like towards the end, like when they start fighting and stuff. Because yeah. the CGI, I'll admit, does it looks pretty weak. But maybe yeah. that'll play into the charm of the film, and it'll be like part of what makes it fun is that it's a lower budget film. Um, I don't know. It looks. I was. Yeah, I was actually semi intrigued by this because I don't know if it, it if it was meant to be, but is that Cthulhu like that one yeah, shot something. of the little dude? That's what Dagon? it reminded me. Maybe it's Dagon. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, have you ever really seen a Cthulhu done well? And if the CGI sucks, it's going to ruin the entire movie. You're going to be like, oh, he's like really? one of those characters that you kind of know what he looks like, but you're like, yeah. if you see him in a film, it kind of it might ruin it if they show him if they show too much. Sometimes it's better just to not to just to have the threat of him looming that, you know, he could rise from the ocean and maybe a tentacle or two comes out and then maybe, you know, I don't know. Well, the trailer shows the whole thing, though. I know it does. It kind of jumps the shock when you kind of see everything. He is over the ocean in the trailer, I I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm optimistic, though. 
it could be something like along the lines of like one cut of the dead where like if you were to watch a trailer of that like how do you really understand what that movie's about until you watch the actual movie so with this you know there might be a certain charm or a certain allure to this film that we're just not seeing because we're not sit we're not sitting down watching you know minute after minute of of it you know edited with music and everything else so um the trailer is okay um i'm intrigued i mean i'm not i'm not not like sitting there going oh i have to see this movie i thought the aesthetic was good and andy you mentioned there are bits of like extreme gore that all of a sudden pop up that they show in the trailer like that face rip and some other things going on in that that actually didn't look bad i mean (laughs) that was kind of uh a pretty good uh defacing um I think I'll probably be uh, wait until a cut above uh, reviews this. <laughs> we got to do the dirty work. Yeah, we do. The dirty job. Oh, shucks. Darn. <laughs> Man, we got to watch horror movies. It's such a bad job. Oh, it sucks. <laughs> All right. So uh, we forgot to celebrate. You know, I, Andy, I think this is one of your favorite movies. Hydroberg, yours too. One of my all-time favorites. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Day. It was. was what, right. Yeah. It, it was early. Uh, was it August 18th? Middle, yeah, something like that. So we're going to celebrate because I know Heidelberg played this game. I only played and, a little bit of it. Okay, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the game, uh, getting rave reviews. However, this is not just trivia. This is a quiz. What horror movie icon uh, did the capture motion shots of Leatherface and Grandpa in the game? One guess each. I'm going to go with Andy. Andy, guess. I think I read this, and it's not Kane Hodder, is it? Oh, shit. That was going to be my guess. You guys are both right. It is Kane Hodder. Oh, it is Kane Hodder. Okay, oh, I, thought I, I thought I read about that. I, well, because they saw... used him a lot in the first game. I mean, in the Friday the 13th game that they made. Yeah. At that yeah. time. It, I could you see fucked them. up my trivia, so there you go. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't do nothing. <laughs> you could have just played uh, Poker Face and just been like, I don't know. Oh, that's God. what i should have said i, guess yeah. I shouldn't have guessed i'm a bad liar now man i can't do that um yeah. actually this this game is really successful i guess there were over a million players on the first day so it's free wow. on game pass for xbox so literally you could just download it and play it for free whether you like it or not and check it out i check uh, i have game pass it looks pretty fun there's a, a decent amount of complexity to like the mechanics and stuff like that like there's a lot of mechanics it's not just like run around and survive. There's ways to survive. There's multiple ways to survive or get killed. Um, <laughs> and you can be either the Sawyers, which they don't call them the Sawyers. They call them the Slaughter family, which I don't know what that's about. Where the fuck are the Sawyers? Yeah, Is that it must some be a life issue. Thing. It's weird because they do recall. And it's a, it's a separate tale from the original. It, it, this is meant to take place like before. Like these are other killings that have happened before the original film that we saw as viewers. <laughs> but the aesthetic's really cool. It's I played one game as a survivor. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I got a couple pieces of things to try and get out, but shit started hitting the fan. And next thing I know, I was getting chased by uh, the hitchhiker. Did you play the Friday the 13th game? I did. I played it. Because to me, that almost seems like it's very. um, It's the same. Like, yeah, well, no, but it seems very condensed. It's like, yeah, you could explore a little bit, but you're still condensed. Well, yeah, this this one's more centered around the house and the compound, like the actual. their property because it's fenced in and then you have to figure out how to get the fences open in order to get out. But there's ways that like there's mechanics, like you can feed grandpa blood. So when you get a victim when you kill a victim as like one of the family members, if you bring it back to grandpa and feed him blood, he has an ability that you can like feed into. And then he can kind of get a sonar going where he can kind of pinpoint people around that are sneaking around. And like, you can better see them if they're creeping really, really well. 
And mm-hmm. so like it's it's a mechanic where as one of the killers, you want to bring blood back to grandpa whenever you can, because it'll help you. It'll help your side, you know, contain yeah. the um, survivors. Well, let me ask this. Is it anything like Grand Theft Auto where you can like pick up hookers? No, it's 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 more yeah. condensed. It's it's asymmetrical. It's a it's a multiplayer. So it's very condensed. It's not open world like that. But uh, one of the players might be a hooker. I don't know. Maybe. And you could, if you're a killer, you can bump him on the head, I guess. There you go. That's all I got. I mean, as you know far as news. Leatherface does like hookers. Does he? I think he does. I mean, he's pretty Probably. I mean, uh, with females. Yeah. Hey, Driss is like one in the first one. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, he does have that little tendency. Um, Yeah, so that's it for news. That's it. Do you guys have anything? I'm sorry. It's, I don't. So I, I did have a question I kind of wanted to ask Andy because it's just been a while since I've spoke to him about horror. Mm-hmm. I was just curious, like, if... if since the last time we saw you, if there's any like horror films that have stood out to you um, last we spoke, like whether they're new or old, just anything you've you've been watching that kind of surprised you, new releases or anything. Yeah, you know, uh, I haven't watched a lot of new horror. Like, I saw this Megan movie, which is okay. Yeah, I we mean, covered it. I didn't hate it. It's uh, Mithrigan, by the way. What's that? It's Mithrigan. It's pronounced Mithrigan. Mithrigan? Yeah. Is that how you yeah. say it? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> the poster says yeah. that. <laughs> That's what we're calling it on the show. Yeah, that makes John sense. Uh, and uh, I, I did see Evil Dead Rise. This is really the only new horror movies I've been uh, oh, I've seen lately. Uh, I've been watching a lot of 70s horror. Hmm. Um, I, I've been really into the, uh, you know how I like the uh, purient content. Um, and... Uh, I've been enjoying the films of a director called uh, Jesus DeFranco or maybe Jesus DeFranco. I don't know. He's like an Italian director. Okay. 70s. Uh, My wife and I like the this uh, riff tracks. And so it kind of we we started watching some of the old 70s movies (laughs) on that. And uh, and then I kind of got into some of There's like uh, one called Bay of Blood that I really like. Yeah. And then uh, a movie called Vampiros Lesbos that I enjoyed. You Uh, had me at Lesbos. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I enjoyed it, so. Sorry, uh, but yeah, some of these old seventies uh, like Hammer films and stuff, I've been really kind of enjoying a lot lately, and that's uh, mostly what I've been uh, uh, spending my time watching. Those are gaps I have in my knowledge of horror too that I need to fill out. And it was for me too, you know. I, I watched all of the eighties horror. That's when I really started watching it, and uh, yeah. a lot of the seventies stuff. If it wasn't you know Exorcist or or something more popular like that. Uh, I hadn't seen it and like the whole yeah. hammer thing I, I'd skipped I hadn't really seen any of those so uh so I've been kind of uh acquainting myself with that uh recently and uh I've been enjoying it, it, it cool. Andy I gotta say something is that you brought up something in our past lives a movie called Haxon or Hexen oh yeah it's on Tubi now and oh, I really? watched it and I went this is awesome. I mean, I feel like I need to be high or something like that around acid, it. but it was, it was like, to me, it was like insanely good. I yeah, enjoyed it. I don't really have to one. check it out. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you it brought it up. It's good. like a 20s or 30s film or something like that. Yeah. You know, that's where they like started incorporating color, but it was just yes, so, that's right. it was so blatant with the color. You're just like, Ooh, mm-hmm. but then you hot, get into yeah. it. Saturated. Yeah, exactly. It was yeah. really oversaturated, but it was enjoyable. I mean, I was like, whoa, I enjoyed that a lot. Oh, by the way, I know you're the biggest Evil Dead fan. What'd you think of Evil Dead Rise quickly? You know, Evil Dead Rise was all right. Um, I, I liked the 2013 one better, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 
Were you a big that fan? Seem, that seems to be the consensus. I, no, I fucking loved it. I, I, yeah. I actually really enjoyed because I saw it at the theater, and I know you're not a theater guy, but I watched it at the theater, and it that was fun in the theater, John. The experience was like chef's kiss. Especially that, yeah, that's just awesome. the title card, the way it opened up and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was just like, all right, I'm here. I'm ready for this. Yeah, there were some good things about it, and and I think that in order for the franchise to survive, it's got to branch out into other things like that. So I fully support like having it in the, uh, you know, skyscraper and all of that mm-hmm. uh, and having different people in it and getting away from uh, the other characters. I, I think uh, I, I like the idea of all that. Um, I, picture- I don't know that, uh, you know, I, I don't know that it was quite as um, entertaining, I guess, as, as some of the other stuff I've seen uh, in that franchise, but. Well, I, I, I gotta say it, it- felt to me like this is what john carpenter wanted to do with halloween you know i mean maybe anthological i don't know but i mean the the way it was like in different areas and just kind of Mm -hmm. spinning off into different storylines i think that's what john carpenter wanted to do with the halloween franchise which is why he enjoyed halloween 3 more than halloween 2 yeah yeah and i I really like that aspect of it i think it, it you know, putting it in different places and just using the same universe in, in that way, I think is awesome. Yeah. We sent around the books and there's yeah. different, there's several books. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, there's you can right. tell that story yeah. several different ways. It's the same through line, you know, and you get the, you, you get the greatest hitch, you know, you get, come get some or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> all so, John, that's all I got. Yeah. All right. That's it for news. Okay. So I'm gonna ask, pick is phantasm. Yeah. I'm going to ask you. Right Hold on. No, it's yours. My pick's next oh, yes, week. It's my pick. Damn, I forgot. <laughs> uh, all right. So, hi, so This is your pick this week. Why did you pick Phantasm 2? Don't and give me that I'm, tone, I'm so very happy you brought Andy. Seriously, I'm so very happy you brought well, Andy on. But why did you pick Phantasm 2, Hydroberg? Well, I, I had been looking at our schedule a while back and just kind of looking at, kind of reminiscing over some of the older films we had covered. And I saw that Phantasm 1 was like episode 9, and I was like, damn, we haven't touched another Phantasm film since then. And it's also been a while since Andy Gilly has been on, and he helped us. Uh, he he enjoyed the Phantasm film enough to come on to the first film. that. And then so I was just like, well, I reached out to Andy, and I told him, uh, you know, I'm thinking about putting Phantasm 2 in, in the docket. And he was like, yeah, I could come on. So that's basically it. I oh, enjoyed nice. this film a good bit, mm-hmm. a decent okay. a bit, I should say, but... Watching it now, it's been a while since I've seen it. So, yeah, same. Yeah. All right. So, um, since you gave us that wonderful uh, description of why you picked this movie, uh, Heidelberg, does this movie fuck or does it suck? Ah, uh, okay. So, this is the kind of fuck that you like what you see and everything seems to be legit. You fuck before and you get started. It's slow going and a little boring, but then you reach the midway point and things are feeling better. Now you're at the climax and it's ramping up and you feel like you could explode. And then she pulls it out and finishes you off in her hand. It doesn't really make sense to you, but you enjoyed it. It's a middle of the road kind of fuck. Go there, host. Uh, Andy, what about you? What do you think? Does this fuck or suck? So, um, you know, I really thought this fucked before, but uh, I I got to say, I was not real enthusiastic about it during this watch. I, yeah. I don't know. I... Uh, uh, like I, I usually watch these movies in, around Halloween, and I'm really excited to watch them. So maybe it was that I was like, you know, not it's not the time of year for me to watch Phantasm or something. But I, this this particular watch, I just didn't uh, think it was. It, I, I got to say, the movie fucks because uh, 
I think I, I think I actually at one time said this is my favorite phantasm, uh, if I remember it. And it's got some, and that's not correct. Uh, I think you know the first one beats it uh, for sure. Now I would, I, I was, I was gonna, I was prepared to come on here and try to make the. Uh, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go on here and try it. to convince them that this is the best phantasm. <laughs> After I watched it, I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> I was kind of along the same lines because I thought this one was so badass in my mind. Yeah, I remember I, it really being, really liking this one a lot. And there are some things yeah. that make it stand out from the others. Um, but uh, and and I, and I got to say, the movie Fox for me. Okay. Uh, I I don't know that. Um, I don't know if I hadn't didn't have the background with Phantasm in the '80s and hadn't watched it. You know what is that like forty years ago now? Uh, that uh, <laughs> that I that I'd feel giving away our age. <laughs> but for me, the movie Fox. All right. All right. What about you, John? I know. Kind of. It's like it's like going to a, a a dance club or a a bar or something like that. You see a woman that's so gorgeous, you know, and you're like looking at her across the room, and you have a few drinks, and you meet up, you're dancing, go back to your place, and you realize that she's not so beautiful. <laughs> she <laughs> she looks like a, a kangaroo or something like that. I don't know. And then looks it like just the old man. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like the tall man. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I, I got to say, and Andy, I'm with you. I know that you're very dedicated to this, you know, to this franchise. And I just, this movie was so weak. I got to say, this is, this movie sucks. I think Ugh. that's a fair opinion. I mean, it, yeah. I I think, I mean, I enjoyed the watch. I, I, I'm not going to, I didn't hate it. And I wasn't right. like sitting there hating watching it or anything like that. But I, I was no. just not as enthusiastic as I had been in previous watches. and. I don't there know. It's been a while since I saw Phantasm Two as well, but yeah, and it's been a while. But you just kind of like look at yourself, and it's like I love Phantasm One so much. I mean, it was such a low budget, and it just mm-hmm. it did some. I gotta say, the score is awesome, but we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. The, the if film I can say something issues, about, oh, go ahead, Nick. No, what are you saying? I, don't worry about it. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. People know that my name is Nick. Oh, they, they do. Okay. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but it's Hydroberg to everybody else. Yeah, yeah, I'll call you that. <laughs> but no, what were you saying? I, I, oh, well, if, if I can say one thing about Phantasm, it's that I, I feel like it's, I, I feel a lot about Phantasm like I do about Hellraiser and that mm. it's got some great concepts in it. Yeah. It's really great characters, the tall man and yeah. uh, you know, Sentinels. And even Reggie is a pretty great yeah. character. I really well, like that. He's the, not as great in this as we like. Ice Cream Man is like the, you know... <laughs> ass kicker uh, uh in the apocalypse or, or whatever but uh i just don't think that the ideas are ever very well developed in any yeah. of the uh, uh of the movies now i think in watching this one and in definitely watching three four and rav fiver or whatever you want to call it yeah rav fiver <laughs> uh in in watching those that the first one is definitely uh really the only what probably good film uh, I, it's good enough that opinion. it's set up a franchise. I mean, obviously. I mean, well, yeah, absolutely. So there's enough there, and they do expand upon that lore throughout the mm-hmm. films. Well, I but think I, we should I, get I, into I that. I feel whole... like, yeah, John, you want to feel like the spoiler one? Yeah, I hold on, Andy. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna throw out the spoiler alert. Uh, we're talking about Phantasm Two from 1988 in its entirety. If you have not seen this movie, pause the podcast, go watch it, and then come back to find out what we thought about it. Uh, should we get into the reach around? 
Yes. Real quick, and then we could. I, I, yeah, go ahead. I've got so much to say about this. All right, so yeah. Hydroberg, go ahead, bud. Uh, yes, so I will deliver you guys a Hydroberg's reach around plot. So. Even though there's three guys in the room right now. All right. Well, whatever. I'm very versatile. I have two hands. It's 2023. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. two hands. I can give everybody a reach around at the same time. skiing. I have a ball, actually, that I'm going to let go out of my palm, and it's going to go around the room and give you guys reach arounds. That's one of the features it has. Balls to the wall. Okay. Whenever you guys are ready. Ready. A sequel that starts where the first movie ends. Michael and Reggie back at it again. Out on the road to catch their toll friend. No time to shed tears, Michael must dry his eyes, or be bored to death by a husk of metal through the air as it flies. The tall guy's got eyes everywhere he has spies. Break into a supply store to resupply the party. Custom build a flamethrower and a quadruple shoddy. Reggie picking up hitchers as long as they're hotties. Town after town, death left in his wake. Reggie starting to consider this trip a mistake. Keep on the man's trail for Elizabeth's sake. As Michael and her both share a vision of how to send the tall man back to his interdimensional prison. Barracuda was flipped in a one-car collision. Reggie's house blew up, left on the gas in the kitchen. A hero's pushed forward towards their doom, needing an orb as a key to access his room. Sentinels fly around, killing fast as they zoom, battling all sorts of evil in the undead tomb. Defeated the tall man by spiking his punch. A scene so gross you might lose your lunch. Alchemy shows up in a hearse to save the whole bunch. Liz in love with Michael as his face she drew. Reggie fooled by a drone he's trying to screw. The tall man wins in Phantasm 2. <laughs> well done man as always thank you, thank you. Yeah. yeah um again i love the score i mean i i think phantasm is like one of the most underrated horror scores that you will ever hear yeah it is it's just got a great that synth like like it's yeah different layers to it too they play uh throughout the film and they cut it in during certain scenes well in, in what Andy, they created this. At, no, I guess they filmed it in 78, came out in 79. The first one, yeah. The first yeah. one. This was yeah. 88. So, yeah, this yeah. Is so difference. This is almost 10 years later. I mean, yeah, seriously. 10 years later, nothing happened. None of these actors are really doing anything. And they even no. swap out an actor in this, which is kind of like jarring, to be honest. Yeah, well, it's- I got, I got to. I got to say that that is one of the things that I actually think makes this. Uh, that's one of the things that is good about this because I never. He's a better actor. He is a better actor. Yeah. He's better looking. Yeah. And uh, he's uh, the guy is actually a pretty prolific actor. Actually, he's still acting today. Yeah. And nice. uh, uh, and he actually does I, I think a lot better job of uh, being Michael than the I did. I, I like Michael. Him. I don't mind him at all. It's no. jarring at first, but I get, you know, I got into it. It's just because he's not in the first film and then he's not in any more after that. And then right. it's part of the trivia later. I can, I can speak on or I can mention it now. Basically. It's, yeah. Go ahead. Throw the it in studio, there. Yeah. The studio had a couple, they were allowed, they were going to allow him to make um, Don. Um, uh, what's his name? Possibly this film, but um, they had a couple requirements. And one of them was that there was a love interest for Michael which is one of my gripes with the film. We can speak on it later. Um, and also that they wanted to replace both Reggie and Michael's character, like as, and get bigger actor, bigger named actors, because at the point of this time that this film was made, it had been 10 years since the last one. And those two guys were not really acting either. So it wasn't just like, Oh, well right. they were in the first one and we're doing the second one two years later. It was like 10 years. They hadn't done any acting. So the studio was kind of reluctant to let them in. Um, Pascarelli, though, fought and he won 
but they gave him like a decision that he had to make was like, you got to keep one and replace the other. You can keep Reggie or you can keep my, uh, Michael. The I actor. think that's a good decision though. And I, I, I do because, because I, I thought Reggie Bannister, I mean, he was the star of the show at the end of phantasm one, you know, it was just like, like, like he had such a nice character arc in that, that first movie that it's just like, he's kind of like a guardian to Michael. He's the older yeah. man. Once Jody's gone, there's nobody else for Michael to look at, to look after Michael. So you have, you know, Reggie and Reggie's like the kooky uncle. Right. And, but right. you also try to keep continuity with that because they're, they're showing the end of the movie. And obviously it's reshoots of 1988 in comparison to 1978. So, you know, he, he looks a little bit older and, you know, yeah, I thought that was a, a strange choice to not reshoot those scenes, but I suppose it, I'm sure it's budgetary, you know, and, and I think you, you really see, in these phantasm movies, like the uh, limitations of the filmmaking genre yeah. and the budgets and, and how filmmaking is a business when you watch these movies. And it's like, why did they do this? Well, probably because they didn't have the budget, you know, and yeah. why didn't they do this? And it's it's because they didn't have the budget or they, you know, like, it got cut out by some executive in this movie. There's a lot of choices that I think get made in this movie that are not Coscarelli's, obviously. And and some of them are good choices. Um yeah. And it's clear, you know, that that he didn't make these decisions or they were made for budgetary reasons. And you like it's really driven home in this particular movie, uh, how a budget and uh, time and that kind of stuff affects a movie uh, production. Sure. And, and I, I agree with that. But I also think it's the editor, because, I mean, there are times where you literally see strings pulling the balls, you know, it's just like I never see that. Do you? I mean, I'm not saying they're not there. I'm just saying, what, like, I didn't notice them. Uh, that big scene where it was like the gold ball, like chasing yeah. after the the not the minion guy, but like um one of the Dude. Undertaker dudes. Yeah, it was one of the morticians. Yeah, you see it, and it's like, oh, it happens. I didn't notice it, but I'm not saying it's not there. Uh, I do love the stuff with the balls, but I do see that like it's you get less you get less of it in in most most of these because. It's one of the things that's probably hard for them to do, but it's the things that we kind of we're here for that, right? We're here for the gore and the tall man scaring people mm -hmm. and like the minions. And this film pacing wise is kind of a bore for like 40 minutes of just oh, setup. Yeah. Some of it's OK, like some of it should stay there, but some of it could have been cut or at least spiced up a little bit. I feel like we could have had more interactions with the tall man earlier on. Did we get more of the tall man in the first one, Andy? I don't remember. I mean, like, to me, it's just, it, it's almost like you saw the tall man and you didn't see him through like 45 minutes through the movie and you saw him again. You know, it was just like, he, the first one was very similarly structured as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, Angus Grimm, I know he's an old guy. He was a taller guy and yeah. just, yeah. Not, not, one in the beginning. And then there's I, a, an end scene where just like the shotguns are shooting things and, or, yeah. and it, I think, I think you get a little more of him. Uh, I do remember seeing the preview to this uh seeing the trailer to this when i was a kid and mm -hmm. i wasn't old enough to go see my parents didn't let me see rated r movies so uh <laughs> it was a couple years until i got to see it and i remember being real disappointed that it wasn't just a, a ball chasing people around the whole time and different types of balls and different types of kills with the balls and that you know, they, just the golden they they introduced the golden orb in this yeah and that was cool too. Like I, I did think, and that was another thing where I think that uh, there's probably a lot of ideas they had for that. Aren't they called Sentinels or something like that? Isn't that a real name? In the yeah. 
Uh, Reggie says it in one of the later films. Calls them. A yeah, sentinel. I think he called. They're actually called sentinels, not just balls. But uh, the tagline to this movie is "The ball is back." So I think it's uh, fine to call them balls. <laughs> but uh, I, I think uh, I think that uh, there would have been more screen time for the balls had they had the budget and the effects to do it at that. Time. I think the also I do think in my mind when I close my eyes and think of the tall man. The image of him in this movie is a definitive image of what he looks like to me. Because in the yeah. first film, he looks a little young. He has, still has some like like black hair mixed with mm-hmm. the guys. And whenever I think of the tall man since I was young, even though, you know, in the first one, he looks a little different. I think of the older age tall man more. He's right. Like, but but I think it's a Mandela effect of you seeing all those boxes or those DVD covers of him, gray hair, just you know, looking at you with a scowl. But images are him with the gray. I mean, well, because he's gray from this one on. So no, I I agree with yeah. you, uh, Hydroberg. I I think that uh, this is the definitive image of the tall man here because in later films he has like that long hair and stuff, and and it's not quite as scary. It looks a little bit like the Quaker Oats guy. Michael, uh, <laughs> the mirror, like they put the gray out uh, tall man in the corner when he's like boy, and they. Yeah. Re- the ending of the first film that's he's all grayed out at that point so i was like oh that because he didn't look like that in the first film from what i remember right no it really didn't because i mean i think the most jarring shot in the first one was when he's walking behind reggie's uh, ice cream truck and that, that you know that the, the coldness from all the ice cream is coming up and he just turns around you know that i don't think he he's ever been more scary than the first one this movie these movies in general they do a weird thing where they they straddle a line. They're they're not necessarily schlocky. They're campy at moments, and then there's moments of seriousness and like brutality. And it's a fine line. It's there's moments where it shines, and then there's moments where it just doesn't kind of hit its mark. Uh, there are moments of comedy in this, like a la Evil Dead with Reggie. Yeah, there are yeah. East as well. Uh, Didn't you feel like he he was? He played too many roles. I mean, he was he was the protagonist, but he also was the comic relief. But he also was the kick-ass hero. And then, you know, yeah. the- I don't know. I, I, I like acting wise. I don't know if his range is there. Yeah, as an actor, to, uh, to all those. But that's yeah, and I I think he's a a poorly developed character too. Like I think they had they did have maybe too many ideas for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this movie also reminds me of like uh, like if we're sitting around and thinking up all these cool scenes. So they thought up the the impression that I get is they thought up cool scenes and then they they kind of strung a story together to get to those scenes that they wanted to film. Right. And I, I agree with that because he is the protagonist. But then he has sex with that girl. Uh, what's her name? Alchemy. Alchemy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So so it's like he's fully clothed. She's like fully naked. And it's just like, oh, come on. What is going on here? I humped the shit out of him. And was- yeah, she totally did. <laughs> Yeah, well, and and I feel like that was probably a studio decision because they wanted like sex in these movies in the 80s. They they forced those sex scenes into into these kind of movies a lot of times, especially the late 80s. I was really like during that scene, too. I'm like, am I supposed to laugh or be turned on? Like, I don't know, man. (laughs) Fucking she's super eager. Like, too. Remember that sexy? What? Go ahead. No, I I was just saying it was so awkward how it happened, though, because she pulled off her top and she has her pants on and then like covers up and then she runs upstairs and then we do that cutscene. I'm like, I feel like nude. Yeah. 
Say maybe nudity wasn't in her contract, but we do see her, right? Oh, I thought we saw her somewhere. Those films were like the nudity didn't do anything for me. And I'm I'm a fan of the nudity, you know what I mean? But it just felt yeah, I I agree with that. The nudity in this movie did nothing for me. And you know, I like nudity in movies, but uh I, like I actually I remember thinking to myself, there was yeah, this isn't like the first phantasm. There's no nudity in it, and there actually is nudity in it. Yeah, it's the very beginning. <laughs> There, there, and of course, there's that. Oh corpse shit! That's, that's complete. Oh, that's you know. Right. But I got nothing out of the nudity. It was like terrible nudity, and uh, and I think that's like actually this uh, character's alchemy's purpose is to be part of this sex scene. I can't really Wait, think of another reason for Brian, her that right could be done by some other character. Yeah. Do you think there were too many cooks in this kitchen? I mean, Don Coscarelli was like getting like. Because from my understanding, this was like the highest highest budget. It was uh, phantasm. It was like of, of of the series, but it was like he was getting yeah. okay. You need to do this. You need to do that. But, All right, let's mix everything because it was so the uh, the continuity wasn't there because it was like okay, are you taking yourself seriously or you're not? Because just as an example for that sex scene, it was like okay, this is kind of funny. I mean, you chuckle a little bit. Oh my God, this is ridiculous. But then you go to some other scenes and you're like, well, oh, it's maybe a little more serious. I'll tell you the one scene I really liked is when they are fir- when they first get to the uh, the mortuary and all those dug up graves. Yeah, and they run I, them. I love that shot. And the, the crane, it's like a crane shot. It yeah. All the graves, like, it's very unsettling. And you see them like running up around it. Yeah. I'm a little confused. Like we're mentioning continuity. There's moments in the very beginning of the film that sort of like they're weird to me. So they 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 swap out an actor. Fine, that happens. Like I've moved past that. Um, I don't know. Like Reggie, there's that moment where like we find out Michael's in an asylum now. Like okay, so like I assumed he was in an asylum after they jumped out of the window, and Reggie knew about everything else that was going on. It was like the first film was fake up until the very end. Like the first it was a dream or whatever, but the tall man was real. And we find out in the end of the first film, like, yes, he's real. Then this, we like sidestep that. And we're like, well, yeah, he's real. But like they jump out of the window and blow up the house. But then it flashes forward. Mike's in an asylum and Reggie doesn't remember any of it as if it, none of it ever happened. He he denies it. Like, I didn't blow up my house. And then it turns out that the real explosion is a vision that Michael has because he's connected to the tall man somehow. And he's also connected to Elizabeth. Um which they never really fully explain anyway. Like, I wish they did. Um, the the real explosion happens when they come home to Reggie's house after he picked Michael up from the, the cemetery or whatever, because Michael goes right to the cemetery first after getting let loose of the asylum to dig up some graves to prove that they're empty. And he does. Mm-hmm. And so Reggie's like, all right, fine, I'll entertain your thoughts. Let's go back to my house, though. You need to, you know, get out of the rain or whatever. And then they pull up to the house and the house explodes. And six, same explosion Trivia it wise, it's the same explosion that of from the explosion earlier on that's supposed to be Michael's house. <laughs> they filmed it from several different angles to get the explosion. And that was the angle that they used for this shot just to make it look like because obviously budget wise, they weren't gonna blow up another house. Um, if you want to know trivia wise too, that is a real house that they blew up. It was in construction, it was in the way of like the 105 on in California or whatever. And they bought the house for like five hundred bucks and blew it up. And the whole requirement was that they had to remove a house. Whatever they were doing, they had to remove the house on their own. So they mm-hmm. did. They blew it up, and then the crew came in and cleaned it up. But they were able to buy the house for 500 bucks and then blow it up in real time. And when they went to go blow it up, 
they had all these requirements of like how much explosives they can use. And there was a guy on scene who like had to regulate everything. But when he found out that they were filming Phantasm, he was like, what? You're filming Phantasm? Fucking go ahead. Blow that fucking thing up <laughs> and go ahead because there was an airport nearby. <clears throat> so they were worried about a huge explosion scaring off planes while they're coming in, whatever, throwing them mm-hmm. off. But he was just like, man, fucking yes, I'm a fan of Phantasm. Blow it up. So they they. They let he let them blow it up like as big as they could. And it was a pretty big explosion. And I'll say that mm-hmm. this film and the other films, the, the first film also, they all have really good practical. Explosions. It seems like Coscarelli's a fan of that. Yeah, the car and the yeah. house. And yeah, they, there are pretty good explosions. <laughs> Image of the tall man walking away from the house yeah. as it explodes. And like you just get the silhouette of like Angus Scrim there. And it's like you could tell he didn't move like he's actually there acting during right. And he's just like super calm and stoic. And I was like, man, he nailed it. It's well, cool- the, the, the nice thing about this movie is I didn't pick up any practical or, or any CGI or like whatever they had back in 1987, 88. I picked up it was all practical, which I loved about the movie. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, even the strings. I mean, I, yes, it's a knock for me, but I think it's just they weren't, you know, their budget wasn't high. I mean, couldn't imagine that. Was well, I think. Like- so I, what, I, what I think maybe is happening is you're watching this on a 4K TV and yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you've seen it how many times? If you're watching it, the only kind of definition you'd have seen that in before is in the theater and you wouldn't yeah. probably have noticed it because your eye would have been on the ball mm-hmm. uh, and you, the first time you see it. So it wasn't probably meant to be seen in 4K with uh, you know high definition television. When you when you watch this on VHS in the in the nineties, you would have never seen that. Yeah, but you could say that about any movie back then. You know, you can yeah. you say, well, you can watch this movie and you'll see all this other kind of stuff. Well, no, I mean, like you can see bo- like red boxes around the Tie Fighters in Star Wars too. Now, oh, sure, but, absolutely. You, know, it, you couldn't see that on on TV in the eighties and nineties when you watch it on VHS. No, because you're looking at a thirteen inch screen. Right, <laughs> that too. <laughs> We had a big TV. We had a 19. Oh, house. damn. Yeah. <laughs> you bunch of richy, yeah, we rich know, people. TV that was yeah. built into a wooden, it was like a piece of furniture. <laughs> yes. It, yeah. And total. the speakers were built into the TV itself. So, yep. <clears throat> they were. So, yes, they were. I mean, I think that's what, uh, like, Phantasm 3 went direct to video. So, I think the, and these were really made for the home video market. I think they were released in the theater, but uh, they knew they were going to, by 1988, I think they were making money off of uh, VHS uh, rentals. I didn't know and, that. It was straight to the. Yeah. And I think by then they were filming with the mask around for the, uh, you know, four by three TV um, aspect ratio back then and everything. I could see that. But it says, like the the reason that I was able to watch this film most of the times, I think it was because it came on HBO. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that that was the first place I saw it too is HBO. So HBO was pretty big for me as a kid to introduce mm-hmm. me. Yeah, and by the way, kids, it's called Max now, so it's a streaming service. We used to watch it on the channel called HBO so Home they, Box they Office for a month, and they could show those six movies over and over. So oh. you, would watch, you know, you would watch. Uh, the Last Crusade, uh, Beverly Hills Cop two, and 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 then Phantasm three played, and know. then any George Carlin special. Yeah. So <laughs> they had those too, or all the mm-hmm. the television shows, Game of Thrones, all that. They didn't have all that. It was yeah. just, but yeah. yeah. So Mike's released from the asylum. He goes back to the to the uh, grave sites. I can see that like Michael having like 
uh, some inner turmoil, turmoil because the, the Morningside gravesite is where his father, his mother and his brother were buried. So now he knows for sure, like they're fucking they were turned into gremlins. They were turned into the minions, the lurkers, gravers, whatever you want to call them. They have several names. Evil um, Jawas. Evil Jawas. And it's like, Ooh, Tady! because of that, there's also like a like a connection somehow from him to the tall man, like where he sees some visions here and there. And then Liz see those same visions. Um, I don't know. Liz is sort of like a tacked on character to me, though. I just wish she had like more to of like we, we, we only introduce her for a moment and then we lose her for like 40 minutes and then introduce I, her again. Yeah, I got the I got the complete idea that they were just added like Liz was there as a as a love interest for uh, Mike That's and funny. Reggie or um, um, Alchemy was there to, you know, uh, be in that sex scene. That's the uh, impression. Seduce Reggie. Know that Liz. Was <laughs> yeah, as and that that was the impression that I got. Um, what uh, did you guys think of the continuity of Mike? So this they set it up to where where um, this happened in like 1977, 78, and then he's been in an asylum for nine years. Now he's 19. Right. I, I think. I, I, but yeah. but Mike Mike in the original movie seemed like maybe he was. Pushing 15, maybe 16. Maybe 13, I think, in that. I think he was supposed to be 13, yeah. Okay, but that doesn't make sense how he was 19 if it's nine years later. Right. Does it ever say nine years later? No, I I, I read um, Wikipedia. It's a 10-year difference for the actors. I know that is... is, Right. But I don't know um, how long story-wise... I know, but I get it if you you get an actor or an actress that that looks young, but let's say they're... Let's say they're 17 and they're supposed to play 14. Um, they grow up within a year. Um, but yeah, it was just like, I don't know. I didn't get the continuity of that. The fact that they don't use the same actor for the rest of the films is odd. Maybe he didn't want to come back or Coscarelli was able to make this film without interference. And he was well, just, just going to hire Baldwin back. What happened is that uh, Coscarelli was in charge of the rest of the films. Like, uh, um phantasm 3 went direct to video and coscarelli had a lot more control over it see he brought uh michael bald that guy's name is michael a baldwin or something like that right mm-hmm. uh isn't yeah, that the act like the original actor's name the, the um, original michael from yeah the original michael phantasm. is michael a okay. baldwin i'm pretty sure is his name uh okay. so he he's actually friends with those guys he's friends with reggie uh bannister and uh and michael a baldwin and uh, the, so the studio had control and, you know, had the budget on this movie uh, on Phantasm 2, gave him the money for it. So he had to work with a lot more, um, you know, studio execs on it. And when uh, for Phantasm 3, he took that control back. And uh, I think that's why this is a little bit hard to find on streaming. Like I had uh, I owned it already, but um, other one besides it. Yeah. Like you can find uh, the first Phantasm 3, 4 and rav fiver um Must be a, uh, <laughs> a lot easier than you can find this movie this is uh you kind of have to buy it to stream it or i think it, it's uh the other ones are available free to watch and i think that's why because this uh still is probably is it isn't it you know a universal film or something like that yeah so I I think they have the yeah. uh, more of more of the rights over or coscarelli has the streaming rights to all the all the other stuff um which and, is probably and- why that they haven't even thought about doing like a reboot of this movie, which you and I have talked about before, Andy, is that yeah. this movie could use a reboot. 
No, it could use a reboot, and Coscarelli doesn't want that, and that is why yeah. there there isn't a reboot of it because he he I think after this film got uh, a, a little I don't know gun shy about giving other people control to his uh, creative, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, um, that's why that's why I think that uh, uh, that that there's some things different about this film than the other than the other uh, four, but um, I, I also think that. There are some uh, there are some decisions that are made in this film that that are that maybe that well what I think is that maybe Coscarelli needs to be reined in a little bit on some things sometimes um, and maybe it isn't uh, maybe it isn't good for uh, somebody to have complete control sometimes that uh, sometimes it's better to have somebody else take a look at things and uh, Andy and say, what are hey, we talking about you know here? maybe this isn't a good idea. You know, so because there are a few things in this movie that are uh, improvements over the rest of the series, and if you've watched uh, three, four, and five, um, I don't know that uh, they're great movie. I think they get progressively worse. Actually, I think three is watchable. Four and five are so weird, and I, I they kind of lose their you, yeah the rhythm. I can't tell you what's going on in Ravager. There's yeah. uh, I'm gonna rewatch them because I'm already on that that train right now i've watched one yeah. two. guys I, I i gotta be honest i've never seen three four or five you know i'm 1988 i was what, 12 there's like this know. formula though with these films and they're just very generic and they kind of repeat the same formula like all three the first three films i just watched them this weekend they all have like the same ending they all reset the like the story in a sense where then when you come in with the next one you can re- they're all taking place in this weird dream logic yeah. state sort of thing uh where nothing is real don't believe anything you see and we can our hero that at the end of the film isn't the hero anymore because the you know the bad guy won but then starting with three it's like i don't know it's like <laughs> none of that ever well, happened it's well, I, I, I'm going to skirt away from the problems that we have with this movie. What did you guys think of the gore? It's fantastic. Yeah, there's good gore in it for sure. I, I think that is uh, one thing they use the budget on is is the the uh, the gore effects are great. I mm-hmm. uh, uh, well, I hate to, I know we're trying to say positive things, but uh, another thing I think they could have leaned into a little bit more is like the the whole funeral home process and the, like, I really liked the, those are real embalming machines. And I don't know mm-hmm. that blood splatters all over the inside of it like that, but <laughs> that's kind of how the embalming process is. They you kind of showed fitting, you know, your blood through it too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was like, was this really what embalming is like? I'm like, and, and I tried to, you can't really find, I couldn't really find an actual embalming process, believe it or not. I guess I probably didn't look hard enough, but, um, uh, th- those are real embalming machines and that's kind of how how it works i do like that they use it against him in the very end Reggie. i think i thought that was a, a cool uh yeah. idea too now if you mix uh formaldehyde and uh, uh hydrochloric acid. acid it makes some sort of like horrid gas that would kill everybody in the room but uh right. uh but it was it was awesome like I, I really did like that that looked fantastic you know what i really really enjoyed was the nice oh what's that no, yeah, I, I love. No, I, I said it was. Yeah. Okay. I love the homage of like almost a dark, dankier um, of hallway from the first one, like uh, of the mortuary, where it was like it was like um, you know like moldy marble. It, it was just the way they brought in the uh, the, the caskets and they're kind of steaming and like to me that was like oh, wow, visually perfect. Because I'm like, why are they steaming? But then I'm thinking, okay, it's the gases coming off of them from the bottom. Yeah. But yeah. like pulling somebody's new before they're really old. I, I don't know. 
He's taking all bodies that he can get, though. So no, I understand, but I thought it looked really good. Aesthetically, it looked with really the good. Guy with the gas mask, like, pushing it. Yeah, yeah I, I actually did. I did like that scene, and I thought the dirt on there, I didn't really notice that it was steaming, but it was it was it looked like it had been in the ground for a long time, and it looked really yeah. gross. I, I really like that. Out of the corners and stuff, like, where there's yeah. been broken from the casket, you know what I mean? Where the gas, mm-hmm. I'm thinking. Um, yeah, no, I do really like those kind of aesthetics. I think the set design for most of the sets are pretty cool. There's a mausoleum area where they go into early on where it's like draped in candles and drapes and it looks cool. It's very dark. And I think the mausoleum is awesome. I really, and, and I really like that in the first movie too. I think the, the marble, uh, set with the mausoleum, uh, and you know, with the, that's where the balls, uh, happen to you know yeah. attack you as well. But uh, I, I really like like and they, I also like the how they use audio in that in those scenes. Like it's really quiet or yeah. it's got, uh, you know, maybe there's some music or something, but it's it's uh, very subdued, like you would probably find in a mausoleum like that. Yeah, but don't don't they actually indicate the, that these balls are attacking you by like a shaking almost earthquake sound? It's like I mean, oh, here yeah. they come. like a mechanics almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there are some like there are some really cool like shots in this film as far as like cinematography. There's moments earlier on where they're when they're traveling before they like when they're chasing the the um, tall man and they haven't quite caught up to him yet. And there's these landscape shots of like awesome like landscapes with sun, you know, sunrises and, you know, uh, the sun going down. And there's the barracuda like tearing ass through the landscape. And I just kind of like yeah. He that's takes- that's a real thing in Oregon. I mean, it's like just south of me, like southwest of me, like Portland. Like you go into those areas, it's nothing but trees. But then it's almost like Seattle too. It's like you come out of the out of the pass and um, trees, but then there's city, you know. But it's so beautiful out there. I mean, it's I don't know. I I enjoyed that too. I agree. I, I think those scenes were awesome. With the kind of and it kind of. It's kind of a road trip movie, I guess, too, in some way. Uh, <laughs> it, it would it would be an effective scene in any like kind of road trip movie. It's it's a it, they were really good landscape shots. You're right, and, and it was beautiful scenery. Yeah, mm-hmm. they stop at that one store where they break in uh, the supply store, and they go on like this the shopping spree, uh, which I thought was cool. They're throwing all these like different tools in their car. Like I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, what are you going to have a need for that? Why do you need this? Why do you need that? But whatever you're grabbing free shit. Um, at least we think it's free. Reggie pays for it. He did pay for it. Where's Reggie getting yeah. his fucking pretty That's much- what I want to know. How does this ice guy cream. Ice ice cream. be an ice cream man? <laughs> have all this cat. Right. He's like the apocalypse. Film too. He's dude in the third film. He's really throwing around the fucking hundreds, but yeah, yeah but um, yeah, he wasn't just selling ice cream out of the ice cream truck, know. you know, must not have been. He's like a big arm <laughs> from Friday, but yeah, so, there, there's a scene in that, in that hardware store that I think is really eight. Well, first of all, the whole scene is pretty eighties. It's an arming scene. Like, you know, commando has one of these where the, the oh. hero arms himself and gets all these tools and stuff that he's going to kick ass with. And then uh, he puts on the uh, the boogie down hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mike's got the he's got the welder's mask on. Exactly. Yeah, the yeah. welder's mask on, and then he puts the the, the boogie down hat. Though it's almost like I, I think what it's supposed to be is kind of an homage to like the, the, I remember in the eighties, like uh, Rambo tied on this this uh, you know headband. 
And I think it was supposed to be maybe I don't know if it's an homage to that or if it was supposed to make it look as cool as that. Because I remember that was uh, really thought of as a cool scene when Rambo like ties his his headband on like that. Of of like Ash, like Evil Dead Two, like Ash suiting up in the yeah, yeah. that's yeah. an arming well, but, scene. I mean, I call yeah. it an arming scene. I don't know that they, they were popular in the eighties. Like are. Evil Dead's is really cool. That, that, that's that. a great scene. But well, uh, and it's like they do a back shot of Rambo just piggybacking off of what you said. You know, they do the back shot. You see his deltoids. Yes. And, he's just like, <laughs> and and I remember in the in the eighties, like uh, I was at a volleyball, uh, like a neighborhood volleyball game, and a kid put his put his uh, you know uh, headband on that way, like real slow, yeah. like that. Yeah, because <laughs> it was such a like popular scene, and people thought right. it's cool as as fuck, you know. Yeah, and I think that's the- what they were trying to do here. And maybe it, I don't know if it was cool back then, like if like people in the theater were like. Man, Boogie Down hat, that's fucking cool. Or if it yeah. was supposed to be kind of a, a comedic homage or what. But yeah, uh, well, if it was, it was really kind of after- jarring in 2023, Boogie yeah. Down, man. Yeah. If he would have, if he would have done the crane kick, that would have been perfect. Exactly. <laughs> I just thought it was like fucking Michael makes, Michael's been in the asylum for nine years. All of a sudden he's studies in engineering. He knows how to make a flamethrower. Yeah, that's years. a good point too. Flamethrower like S forever. I don't want to like pick it apart because I know it'll just seem stupid. The quad shotty is so iconic. It's the fact that you just broke and entered into this place and you should be just like smashing and grabbing real fast and getting out of there. And then you decided to like MacGyver some shit and take and like set up a tool belt, a tool bench and like really weld some shit and create something is odd to me. I thought you were just trying to get in and out and grab some stuff. Um, But I do like the image of like him grabbing two shotties and putting them together. And then like, I don't know. The, the the mechanics of how the logistics of how that would actually work they don't make sense none but you know what I yeah. that I'm I'm willing to let go it's like it's I, a, a quadruple barrel shotgun so hey flamethrower and I, I guess yeah and I guess back in '88 you know people are just they are nostalgic from a 1979 movie because think about it you know the kids that were seeing it back in '79 12 years old whatever so this movie's 10 years later they're 22 they're like fuck yeah. I mean, I don't think they really noticed. Oh, this is a you know different character, but they uh, they're they're drawn to Reg. They're drawn to the tall man. They're drawn to the what you call Andy Jawas. Yeah, <laughs> but they knew Jawa. that from the movie. I mean, and it like like to me, I I get that, and we could look at it a quick critical eye. In I mean, I like because... the scene of them like shopping. I like that that Mike puts yeah. uh, the flashlights upside down so they clip onto the. You know the shopping cart and they can kind of go around and pick what they need and i thought that was cool and there's moments of bonding with mike and reggie which i think sure. is cool mm-hmm. well, it, felt, it felt a little bit like uh um what was it dawn of the day you know where they're yeah. in the shopping mall yeah. and they're doing that kind of stuff like an evil yeah. vibe to it too where he's like attracted to the shotguns and he goes and pulls them off the wall yeah. and, you know and that and, shotgun by the way so there are homages <laughs> to horror films in this film as well yeah. No, like, yeah, and and I I don't want to pick it apart either. That's not. Uh, I mean, I I'm, want... I'm I'm just curious, like in this scene, how the '80s audience re- would have reacted to if it, it was supposed like... to be really cool, if it was supposed to be somewhat comedic. Armoring scenes play out in so many films throughout the '80s. I think it's just it's a trope, but it's one that still like pays off. I think in these right. films, and they yeah. even do these kind of setups and in, in modern stuff nowadays. Sometimes it says a satire, but it's still 
Like it still hits its mark. It's still either a really funny or it still gets you like riled up. Like, yes, he's fucking getting his guns or right. you know, mm-hmm. front of the dead had that moment where they go to the shed and they're grabbing tools suit, like trying to figure out the weapons that work for the occasion. So I kind of do. I dig that. It's cheesy, but it's one of the moments in the film that are cheesy that like I, I, I like. I, I like an arming scene like that too. And I, I did think it was pretty cool. And yeah. you know, the, the quadruple barrel shotgun, you're right. It's like, would not work. <laughs> this what a great, great scene. But it's uh, awesome. Did you, yeah. Did you get the vibe though? Like watching it again, because it's been so long since I've seen it. I don't know about you, Andy, but like watching it again, I almost got, I almost felt like bad. And I almost like went into cardiac arrest watching it going, oh no, this is like Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Oh, they're going to play the whole first movie like throughout the movie. But at, right. you didn't get that. No, well, I felt that way, and, and I, I, I don't know. I think I, I saw this movie maybe three years ago. Okay. Um, I know that like uh, when we did, when you get when you when I came on for Phantasm with you guys, I think yeah. I watched all of them uh, okay. during that time. So when it was, I don't know when that was. Uh, I, I twenty nineteen twenty twenty. I, I can't remember, but uh, uh, but the, I, I watch. I've watched them all somewhat recently. Uh, so I, I kind of knew where, where it was going and stuff. And I did, I did find it just peculiar that they, they didn't refilm some of those scenes, but again, I'm yeah. sure that was budgetary because you're the, the two actors that play Michael look so different. I know. <laughs> like you really have to suspend some disbelief to to think that this six years ago, this kid looked like, uh, Is it this guy doesn't know. Phantasm three also where it starts. Cause these films have a habit of starting where the last one left off. Right. What he was. And the fact that the third one starts and then shows a recut scene of what happens at the end of this film. And then when Michael comes to the glass, it's the it's this it's Michael from the first film again. Oh, right. <laughs> See, I, I've never seen three, four and five. So I mean, it's I gotta watch them. But it's just like, man, this is weird. <clears throat> what, what was the reasoning for all this? Like, I get that you didn't want to cut this guy out, but you did cut him out. And honestly, I do think that the other guy is a better actor. Yeah, I do too. Well, I, it, yeah, and I, I, Andy, I think you're right. I think Coscarelli had no input on the second movie, but you know, he took he I, took it back. He took it with him. He did. He, de- he definitely did. I mean, to make he the, says this in that in his yeah. book, um, "True India." It's called. Uh, I, I read that a couple of years ago, so I don't remember it all that well. But but that's exactly what happened here. He took back uh, creative control of this movie, and I forget mm-hmm. how he financed Phantasm Three, but uh, he didn't. I don't believe he did it through the studio system. Um, he if and it did go direct to video. So, um, uh, I, I, but he had a lot more creative control, and that's what he wanted. Uh, and and he's done it that way since then, to his credit or, or whatever you want to say. I mean, he he's done Phantasm the way he's he wants to do it. Uh, no and, knock, yeah, no knock against Coscarelli. And by the way, I want to give you big props for your uh, credit on Terrifier Two. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah, that was that was I I really enjoyed that movie. I'm glad that I supported it. <laughs> My money went to good use there. Yes. Whoa. Yes, it did. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Since I'm a movie producer myself, I can tell you how yeah. this works. But... Why don't you ask, ask Heidelberg about the trash bag? What about the trash bag? It's for another time. Terrifier <laughs> 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 three. I, yeah. Terrifier <laughs> three. Let's just say that that trash bag could keep at least a dozen of these uh, orbs with blades on the end of them inside of 
and, and, just and not break and, and not break keep coming back and forth trying to get out and it wouldn't break um yeah there's so i don't know uh, hold on i gotta scan what's with the uh what's with the mr sam raimi's ashes part of this yes i wanted to mo so there's that right there's what's that program. about what was that about that was weird is doctor but also, so there's that moment where they go to the other building where, so what I wanted to ask you guys, what do you guys think of like this idea of like the, the tall man being going from town to town and like ravishing these, these towns um, to the point where like somebody, I think authorities would notice, but whatever, they don't, but there's well, like a of in his wake of death yeah. and despair, like every town. Like a ghost town. Yeah. He sucks those towns dry. Yeah. All the dead turns them into, into his army and then turns the, living into dead at some point or drives them away and then the people that stay become these badass survivors uh yeah it's hard to hate the the tall man as a as an antagonist in your movie as your as your big bad but it's just like yeah it got ridiculous i mean andy and you'd agree with me and the first one it was just like he was so mysterious and it got a little wonky where it was like a whole different dimension but they didn't play a lot into it you know i agree and it was it was like no I, I absolutely agree. The, the, so I think it's a really cool shot. You talked about it earlier, uh, uh, Heidelberg, but um, you know the shot where where he they see all of the graves in that in that cemetery dug up. It's a cool shot, but I think that's where this movie jumps the shark, and the whole series jumps the shark right there. As far as I, I'm concerned, I think it goes way too macro, and it becomes implausible. Where the and, and you're right, like there's no news reports of this happening or anything like that it's like he's digging up all these graves and stuff and nobody really knows what's going on or seems to notice i think you know and 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 the the whole post-apocalyptic part of this i think is is uh, a direction it shouldn't have gone Uh, i think that is a where the story is really got flawed um and, and i think right there is where that happens and um i don't know uh it it didn't uh and, and and that's got to be Coscarelli's idea because he he uh, ran with that in three, yeah. four, and five. Uh, well, I mean, did, five is basically a post-apocalyptic movie, right? But but he does that with small little towns. I mean, to me, it's a little ridiculous to go in these small yeah. little towns where the the population's eight hundred well, people. You know, a small little town, like we're saying, to go against my argument is that a small little town is less noticeable. So the fact that he sure a town that only has like you know twenty two hundred people in its population or whatever. And he can yeah. take that town over and less people are noticing or whatever. But yeah, I still think they would have been like <laughs> authorities getting involved at some point. Somebody went inve- investigating this. Like how rapidly is right. Well, let me quote my favorite band. Um, we're the Cowboys from Hell, Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> like I like I, I like the idea of him going from town to town, but the, the no, what she's doing it in this film seems a little like unbelievable. I, I, yeah, I like that too. I like that he would travel around and go to different towns and stuff, but it, like I said, it's too macro. It's, there's like too much, he's too uh, overt about it. Uh, like I, the town I live in is about 2,200 people. And if you dug up the entire cemetery here, I think it would make the national news. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I, don't, I, uh, I don't think that would go unnoticed by, yeah, uh, uh, you know, and it, it just, it, it just became, you know, you got to spend your disbelief in any horror movie. And I do that. I'm, I'm I'm not trying to pick it apart or anything like that, but I think it just becomes a little ridiculous uh, w- at, right at that point for me. 
does. I, so I just mentioning that scene though, when they stealthily are going up to like the first real cemetery that they found where they think he might be or just was, and they're stealthily going up there. They have that like red redneck action montage of them opening the trunk and then like equipping like the, their fucking shotgun and their their boogie down hat and the welder's mask and this like <laughs> yep Tarantino sort of trunk open. I, I I dig that. Um, and then they 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 stealth up a little bit. And John, we get that cool shot of them. It is cool. Like they're walking through an empty graveyard. And to think, I of- love that shot. By the way, yeah. that was fantastic. I think that that affects me more than just seeing like a town closed closed with boarding boarded windows on storefronts and then mm-hmm. a and car because they the set dressing in those scenes seems a little bit artificial. I like the stuff at the the mausoleums though. Every time we get to one of his mausoleums, because those are the that's his central focus. That's his like main mm-hmm. base of operations when he's in the yep. town. It's going to be the mausoleum, the cemetery. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't mind the in- info dump of like he digs up bodies to create his own minions. That's fine, you know. Do do a little two and a half minute thing of what he does. But I mean, the fact that they were all dug up and like followed that info dump would have been. I mean, that would have been gold right there. I find that he, he does leave, like, things to... I wish he left, like, more, like, challenges for Mike and Reggie. Like, so we get, like, at this moment, they clear the room. They clear the building. And downstairs in the boiler room, they find what looks like Liz, right? Crept over, mm-hmm. like, with a sheet over or, like, a cloak or something. Mm-hmm. And obviously, something's going on. Reggie calls Mike. Mike comes downstairs and they when when they pull it back, you realize it's Liz, but it, she seems off like she's been captured. And we do know that at some point she's kind of looking for the tall man or she's thinking about looking for him. So you're thinking, well, maybe she went out and he grabbed her. Uh, and then they pull back the cloak and we get this reveal of like this hump, this hole, like a hump in her back. And it comes out and there's like a baby head version of the tall man. It's very Freddy Krueger. And they're in. A I boiler. thought that was really Freddy Krueger. Yeah, they're in a boiler room. So I'm like wondering, was this a straight supposed to be an homage to Freddy Krueger? Because we get the same Raimi stuff later. And then there is also, I believe, there's a tombstone with the name Alex Murphy on it, which is the name of the RoboCop. Uh, oh shit! <laughs> that's right. So there are little homages to other films around this time frame from this decade. I, I, I do like that bit of like that weird creature coming out of her back, but it doesn't make sense to me because it's like that's not really her. So what is that? It's an it's an illusion where, you know, it's an illusion. I, again, like, like well, everything you're talking about here, where they're walking around the graves and they're, you know, this this scene with her and the thing coming out of it are really cool scenes. They're really cool, but it doesn't make sense in the context of the story. So I mm-hmm. feel like that's what they did. They came up with all the cool scenes and then stitched this narrative together to try to get from scene to scene, you know, rather than having it actually start with the story and and have cool scenes wrapped well, he, around like, the oh. message from the from the tall man which i'm cool with like that aspect is cool like he's leaving these little messages because he knows that michael and reggie mm-hmm. are on his tail that's Lord. cool um but yeah like you said they just they, the writing doesn't do it, a good job of like it's you know. it's too many cooks in the kitchen and andy you said it before it's like don coscarelli after this movie took back that franchise and said i'm gonna do it my way you know because it is you know, it's some producer coming in and going, hey, you remember when we did this in Friday the 13th, part three, you know, Dream Warriors, you know, let's do this, it's you know, and action between Mike and it, his girlfriend, like they're just it's it's fake. It doesn't feel. No, I mean, well, there's no chemistry there at all. You know, and again, I'm drawn back to Reggie because, you know, he's the comic relief. He's the 
uh, protagonist of the movie. He's the kick-ass guy, you know? And it's just like, you're not drawn to any other character in this movie except Reggie and the tall man. Liz is uh, Liz and uh, Alchemy are really like redolent of characters that got written in later. Yeah, they, like, really... they weren't part of the original story and they got chunked in there uh, because someone said there needed to be uh, the, these people. Some boobs. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. got to be boobs. Yeah. yeah. And they really seem to me like characters that got tacked on after like, the story was written. As soon as um, Alchemy shows up, I'm just like, okay, there's something off with this chick. Isn't that the chick that he saw in the morgue? Did you see her bangs? I mean, they were like right here. <laughs> yeah. That's... First of all, you're sleeping in the car. This guy picked up a, a hitchhiker and you didn't even wake up. That was whole... she the, the chick in the morgue? She was. Oh, really? Okay. So hmm. he saw her dead. So we're yeah. we imply that she's already been dead and turned into one of his drones. But she doesn't kind of look as sickly as the other drones. Like the mortician, the mortician those guys, the two twins that like were, yeah. that were picking up the caskets. Those guys look like they're semi dead a little bit. They look a little like their eyes are caved in a little bit and right. a little pale. She looks healthy, like normal. So I wasn't sure if that was meant to be like, you know how he can create himself into another person, but he can't be two places at once. I feel like, I don't know. Maybe he can. Who knows? Um, I thought she was like one of the undead brought back to life to serve his purpose of like infiltrating Mike and Reggie, but it's, it's all weird. It's, you know, that could very well be. And that, that does make sense when I think about, you know, uh i didn't really pick up on the fact that she was that was uh her in the morgue so uh i think i kind of just thought so because then he has the vision of her and there's that moment where they show that too Mm -hmm. all right yeah that that uh it's just one of the many things in this movie that uh aren't well explained and and don't really make any sense yeah uh, there's a lot of that i'll be honest like there this movie's kind of plagued with that there are moments of really coolness in this film and then moments that like I want it to be better. And I can see like where you could stitch two scenes together to be more coherent or there's just moments where, just, like you said, John, there's just too many cooks in the kitchen. Right. The, the Coscarelli is being torn in too many different directions. And we don't know what his real like end all his end writing was going to be. You know, what I mean, how, how many revisions he might have done to the script because of that. Right. Just on on scene while a film's you know while it's being filmed, I don't know who knows if there were like notes given to him from someone in Universal. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, like I don't think he. I think he does an admirable job of like keeping the movie contained. But there's like a semblance of a better movie. It's there. Absolutely, a hundred percent, and that that's <laughs> that's and, totally what I what I think here is that it just right. wasn't a, a well developed idea. There was I don't know what the creative process was was like here. But, um, you know, you, again, you have some really, really cool concepts, the, the Tom, and, and that's why these movies are watchable and entertaining because the characters in them are, are fantastic. Uh, the tall man is a great character, you know, Reggie's a great character for that. Michael, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he's great, um, in any of the movies, but, uh, Reggie is actually a good character and the tall man and like the, the whole mythos of whatever he's doing and, and the balls and, uh, you know, his Jawas and, and all of that is is really pretty cool stuff and, and lends itself to really cool Im- imagery. But uh, the the story just it, it, it seems it kind of falls falls short of what it what I feel it could be. We had the same issue with the first movie, too, is that just some of the writing's a little convoluted. Um, I agree. So I, I think the, the first 
the first movie is the same thing. It, it has some of these same first problems. It was Coscarelli all the way, right? And Yeah, I, uh, it was, 100%. So His dad financed that movie. So he's lost a little bit of that creative freedom. So there's moments where maybe certain scenes just don't connect as well. As well. Right. But overall, like his first well, film. And, and you know what, though? Like, all, I don't think there was ever, I, I don't know if he got kind of boxed in and didn't want to. I, I, and again, this is why John and I think this should be rebooted because it just needs a whole new set of ideas. I'd be uh, down. And, and, uh, and they sh- he should he should reboot it if, if he's going to do this, because I, I feel like, you know, the first he felt like he had to continue on with the with the movies that he'd already done, where like something like Halloween, you got a whole bunch of different ideas, you know, that like in in one Michael's one thing and in another, he's in part of this cult or whatever. We don't care as horror fans, you know, you can you could just change it. But I, I feel like he felt he needed to stick with the uh, with what he what the other movies had built and not change any of that. Like this movie Did... doesn't really get going until you the forty to fifty minute mark. No, right. it does not. And that's when we finally get to see Liz again for the like you like we we get some of her backstory and like her grandmother, the passing of her grandfather, and like the fact that like her town is the next town that's being preyed upon, Perigold right. or whatever it is by um, yeah. It's almost just coincidence, though, that she just happens to live there and Mike's on his way. I don't know. Yeah. But the scenes with like her grandmother are weird, too. Like the granddad dies. So what I'm getting is that like this guy basically comes into town and creates reasons for people to die. There's like people do die and like they're, they're, you know, why they died is covered up. And it's just like, oh, you know, they had a heart attack. You know, it happened. And then Mm -hmm. the people that are grieving eventually die because, you know, they're grieving and that's very tough. And then he moves on. But Kimmy, uh, Kimmy, uh, Liz, she knows about it in a sense, like she's seen the tall man in her vision. So when she sees him for the first time uh, during her grandfather's wake, there's this weird scene where like she comes up to that casket that's like smoking. The first time we see one of the smoking caskets and it's like a dream state where she's found another door doorway where her grandmother was grieving through the main lobby. And like she comes through this doorway through the mausoleum and it's like it's a weird scene. She like pulls a pendant out of her her blouse and it's as if she's going to hold it in case somebody jumps out out of her and she's going to hold it as a weapon and then the tall man scares her and she ends up stabbing him in the finger with it but you never actually see that motion just all of a sudden the next scene is him lifting his finger and he's got her pendant stuck in his finger and he's like licking the blood which you see is like a bombing fl- yeah. it's like yellow yeah, what it's about like the- a thing throughout the movie and I, I like how uh, throughout this series I should say and I like how it gets thicker and thinner depending <laughs> on what they need to do with the effects yeah <laughs> How about that whole door scene where like um, Liz and Mike are running through the doors and it was just like, bam, bam. Because that's the golden orb. And that's when you find out the golden orb can get through doors with this like blast. It can burn through doors and then it has a laser built into it. It's got a fucking plasma cannon like the Predator on it. (laughs) it That thing blasts (laughs) the kingdom come like boom. And yes, we get the scene where like it can't be held back through doors and it's bursting through them. I do like that scene. I think it's played pretty well the way they're they're running away from it and the I don't know the I guess in my twenty twenty three eyes I just saw that as like so okay, so you're building tension, but it was more hilarious to me than it was suspenseful. I mean they're being chased by a ball that has these like little girls and stuff that come out of it. So <laughs> if you look at sure. it, yeah, you know, it's a little silly, but it's cool. I actually those are the scenes I'm looking forward to in this movie though. So when they finally I agree. Get- I'm ready for them. 
I actually, I actually do like the scene where it's going through the doors. I think that's one of the better scenes in the movie. Uh, but that could be nostalgia too, from because that was one of the scenes I liked when I was when I first saw it. Because we right. finally get to the balls at this moment, and we see that right. they're balls, right? And then we get to see that there's a golden one. So we're like, oh shit, what is the golden one? And then we finally do find out that it's got a little bit extra. It was pretty cool to see them come out of a casket, like almost a vampire-shaped casket. You know, the the kind of rectangular-looking one, and that was the door. I was curious what the top layer of that casket was when you open it. It was like something yeah. like grating that like the priest cut himself on. So I was wondering, like, does that make him a mark? Like, is that how you mark somebody for the balls to go after? Could be. Like, oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, but Tall Man killed him with a with a rosary, right? Who did? Tall Man. I uh, killed the priest with his own rosary. Yeah. Oh, no, no, yeah. he hooks the priest he him. and lets him go. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because then he gets a gets balls to the face. So yeah. the ball to the face, and it's pretty gnarly because one goes past him, and it's like comes out a lo- like a little saw comes out of yeah. it, <laughs> and it fucking whizzes off his ear, and it's a pretty cool practical. Oh, that was yeah, that yeah, was that, a that great was effect. A good good effect, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then it it like it does a U turn, and you hear the noise that it makes. It's like. <laughs> Like as if <laughs> cartoony kind of turning and, around and towards him. They are cartoony. I mean, they're balls flying and, you know, against gravity. It's like there's I don't know, I, but they're cool. They're one of the coolest parts of these films, like, in my opinion. They're absolutely they're absolutely the coolest. I want more parts. of them in almost every <laughs> film I watch that has that has the phantasm, you know, name on it. Yeah, no, they're absolutely. Well, cool. I don't know that yeah. they really. Do they really fit in this movie? I mean, why does this guy from hell have these? Bo- this is like a sci-fi thing, but yeah. I don't know. They, they're cool as hell. Oh, it's weird because <sighs> I used to think that he was just like from a different dimension, which he probably still is. I don't know. But then, like this film plays on some things of religion, where I'm like, well, maybe he's from hell, like straight from hell. I always thought he was from hell, but it's Same. like, is it a so like when he goes through that other portal? Is that just a, a, a portal to hell? Well, oh Rob Zombie God. and his band called White Zombie actually used a clip of that. It's like, you know, you think you go to heaven. Yeah, they or, did. <laughs> uh, you think you when go you to die, heaven. You think you when go you go to heaven, you come to us. Yeah, I love, that. I love us. that they repeated that in this movie. That is a great line. <laughs> How was that sliding of Rob Zombie, by the way, though? <laughs> it was all right. I already I, met but <clears throat> I like yours better. Thanks. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I don't know. Um, I, th- I just feel like this film, when we finally get to the end, we're setting up set pieces to have some of these kills and this interaction with Tallman. And I just think the film, that's that's the film I want, whether it's mm-hmm. campy or not. Like, that's the film I like. I don't really need all the, the build up. Each 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 fucking iteration of these films is like build up again. And it's like they sort of repeat the same story over again anyway. So do I really need the build up again? Yeah. I, I, and the more I think about it, First? The more I love the way the tall man was set up in the first one. You know, okay, he doesn't look exactly like he does in 88. But, I mean, the thing was, is that he's just mysterious and creepy and evil and vile and everything else like that, you know, which is what made the original movie so good. I mean, it was just like, like they would do those slow motion walks where it was just like his feet or his shoes clopping against the marble floors of, you know, and... That was effective. And it's just like, they didn't know what direction to take this movie. Are we going to be campy? Are we going to be serious? Are we going to, I don't know. I don't know. No, it is. I think that's exactly right. They did not know what direction to take it. And I think it was being pulled in a whole bunch of different directions. 
I think if so, like if they had introduced Liz earlier, she's tacked on fine. But introduce her earlier. Get her with Reggie and Mike earlier on. They pick her up. They save her from the from an interaction with the tall man, let's say, because the tall man, it, she's on his radar. She knows he knows that she's a seer or whatever. He's coming after. Her. Fine. Mm-hmm. They get her. She becomes part of the group. They teach her how to like use a gun. Show me those elements. Show me the elements of her on the road with them. And then I believe her character. And then her character has some like development. Like they just tacked her on so much. But like you introduce her in the very beginning, and then she finally comes along during during the during the end. Excuse me. And then I just wish she was like hanging out with the boys for a little bit and show me like her being a little badass. Even if she's not a badass character right away, they show her some things. Maybe she picks up a bow and arrow or whatever. She gets her cool weapon. Well, and I guess we're looking at that through our eyes now. You know, it would be awesome to see an empowered woman just to be able to, you know, I'm going to attack the thing that I fear the most. Um, a woman in this film just to tack on a woman as a love. No, but but that's exactly what they did, though, is that they've they've taken this plot and just like mishmash of everything. You know, let's take a little of what we got in Phantasm, the original. That's that's an okay idea if you wanted to do that. And and it's fine. I I agree with that. But I think it just it is so everything is so like just put together and it's like, okay, I'm going to put steak in with cake batter with brownie batter with chicken. And it's just like, let's like, put everything in the oven together. True. No, it's, it's, I, I can see that John. And yeah, I can, just, I, I mean, make a steak uh, and you get to eat cake afterwards for your dessert. You know, that's fine. But I mean, it's just, and like, I think Hollywood at back in that time, Really just, they wanted to capitalize on everything, you know, more so than it is today. You know, it's a it's a money grab. It's this, you know, hey, let's take a little bit from Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, and make, you know, <laughs> freaking tall man come out of her back or whatever, you know. That really seems what happened, like what happened in that scene. <laughs> it's yeah. like they saw this in, in Nightmare on Elm Street and they had to do it. And maybe they knew the guy who did the effects in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 or something and got him under budget or something. I don't know what happened there, but that really, it almost looked like Robert Englund's face there. It does. It looks, and it's in a boiler room. So I'm like, well, maybe this is just like an Easter egg. And because there's a Sam Raimi one, and there's some other ones too. So I was like, that's really just like, you know, tipping it. And guys, they did this beautiful scene of where a tall man got the, the, poison or or the acid that reggie put into that embalming fluid and that looked so good his face was pussing up and really cool his hand was melting off and that looked really good and i'm just like oh man (laughs) that was an odd and that was a really cool kill too i mean that fucking a it was i mean it's like you know like i said it's you add those two chemicals together you're not going to be able to be in that room but you know suspending the disbelief on that was easy sure. and it was a cool uh concept and, yeah and, and he, do a cool scene and then know? they they don't pay it off right away it gets paid yeah. off later on in the film right they let it sit for a little while which is cool i like when you know you don't need to set something up and then instantly deliver like you can set it up and then deliver it later when we forget about it and all of a sudden we're like oh shit yes the he's about to be stuck with the the needle and they're like, oh, the acid's in there, you know, or when he's about to stick her and you realize, oh, the acid's in there. She's going to fucking die regardless of what goes through her. The acid. And I, yeah. And Heidelberg, I'm curious, did they, did um, Angus Grimm have more um, screen time than he did the original? Do you have that in your trivia? No, it's not in my trivia, but I would say, yeah, 
I think he did. I, I'm pretty sure that uh, I would wager to bet that he had a lot more screen time in this. I, I almost disagree. Only only because it was just like, you know, Hydra, uh, you were talking about like there's this 45-minute gap where it was just like, you know, what's going on here? You could have picked up the pace a little bit. But you don't see him a whole lot until – well, you see him at the beginning and then – Mostly at the end, because right, we we center we we focus more on uh, Mike and Reggie in this. Yeah. Um, but he's not in the first one as much as you think either. So no, I I totally agree with that. I mean, he doesn't have very much screen time, but like what he has is effective. It's not as effective in this movie. I mean, it's just like uh, the guy. Yeah, uh, he, he's an imposing figure from what I've heard, and people that have gone to cons or whatever. Love that guy. He was like a such a sweetheart to everybody, but very intimidating. I mean, six foot four, but I don't know. I I, I just felt like he wasn't a, as effective in this one. And again, I haven't seen three, four, and Ravenger or whatever. You no, know, I I would I would disagree with you. Actually, I think that that he was one of the. <clears throat> he might have been a little. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'd have to see Phantasm one again. But I I feel like this is one of it. The as far as Angus Scrim goes and the tall man character, this is one of the more effective films that he's in, and and like he has some of his best scenes in this in this particular film. Well, maybe it's the Mandela effect for me is that seeing that that ice cream scene where Reggie's like passing out ice cream mm-hmm. and like he walks through like the 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 dry ice, you know, and just the the smoke from the dry ice just really it sticks with me just because he's oh, staring yeah. right at Mike and he's just. You know, no, that, that's a great scene. I mean, that that's one of the best scenes in the first movie, absolutely. So, and yeah, you know, being forty something years old, um, <laughs> you know, this one didn't really hit me because it has been a long time since I've seen this movie. But it's just like that sticks with me. Mm-hmm. I can wake up oh, yeah. from a nightmare and see Angus Scrim just staring at me, you know, over dry eye smoke coming over his head, and just like. Fuck this! I'm out, (laughs) boy. (laughs) Boy, that's that's another Mandela effect because he didn't say that very much, but it like sticks out in your head more than anything, right? Yeah, he. I don't know how many times he says it in the first one, but uh, yeah, I think he says it at the end, right? I think he does. I think you're right. He only says it at at the end. You might be right. I want to watch it again now. (laughs) Yeah, now I guess we'll have to. Once or twice, but it's not as much as you'd want. Uh, He doesn't say it all that much in the first one either. No. No. It's iconic the times that when he does say it. Um, It's like, chop, 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 chop. So I do like that. Like, there's some, there's some extension of like his lore of like what he's capable of. Like, so he was originally just making the minions, the little guys, but now we've, found out that he can make these drones. So he's making drones, which are like, he's learned how to reactivate the dead, mm-hmm. the dead and, and make them do his bidding. So like the morticians that are lifting all the coffins and stuff. And those like, they look like twins, the white guys. Those are like undead dudes. Um, he's got several under, other undead guys that service him. And then we've come to find out that alchemy is supposedly one of them as well. Like maybe. Mm-hmm. Top. Yeah his best made ones maybe so that they can't tell. I don't know. It's weird because he, then he takes her place at one point in Reg's image. I don't know if that's just something he can do, kind of jump into his drones and take their place for a moment. I don't know. It's, yeah. It's all willy nilly. I mean, it's just like, like he can do this. He can do that. No, he can't, but he can't. It is. It's sort of like, well, we're just going to, he can do this now. You know why? Cause we need it for this scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. So yeah, it is sort of that way. It's, it's a little wishy-washy. I'll admit. 
Um, but I do like that there's extra elements brought into this film, like those the morticians, he the humans that he's um, taken, like grandpa, grandma. So not everybody's turned into like these little people, but the people that are turned into little people, we find out that like they're being turned into the the orbs at some point. We find that out in like the third, film, whatever. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so like they do kind of keep the progression of like his lore going a little bit. We get a little bit each film. Um, but I, it's like you said. I mean, that's when Coscarelli took over it, and it's just like you know we're gonna have a main focus, and we can the continuity's a little smoother, I guess. I don't know. Again, I've never seen three, four, or five. So uh, continuity, continuity is not this film's like friend. I'll be honest. Not, no, this Mm-mm. film, any of the films, this franchise in general, they just they're all over the place, and they some of it's written in where there's a dream logic. So, and they even say like, don't believe everything you see because. Well, so it's like almost every ending to every film is right. like an homage to the last ending where everybody's somehow getting pulled through glass by the or demon. dying or, you know, how did you live through that? The next film is like, well, now we're going to re- rewrite that in our right. own to, to, to suit the next film. So, we, you know, we, we made this ending in, in two and then three is going to redo that ending. So like at the end of this movie, Reggie looks like he's dead, but the he third does. film he gets right up. You know what I mean? So, um, as far as the ending goes, like I don't know if it's anticlimactic. I like I like a good bit of it. I like I like them in the last mausoleum, like moving around. They split up every time they get a chance, all the time in this movie. Why do they split up all the time? But every fucking time, Reggie's like, "I'm gonna go here. You go this way." It's like, all right, this dude's only got a pistol and a fucking flamethrower, and you have a shotgun. Like, let's see what you do. But you should stick together. They never do though. And that was pr- that was pretty dope when he shot all four of those little minion dudes like with the yeah, four-way shotgun. Then, then he like throws the four-barrel shotgun away though. <laughs> no, it's like it's a single-use weapon. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, they cut his. That there was that moment where his fucking, uh, <laughs> belt got cut and his extra ammo fell off. Oh, that's right. I guess I, know, I suppose you, he had no more shells. So he, yeah, true. But still, you see him load up the four shells before like anything like even before they go in there right he loads it up yeah no yeah. he does that's right though he loses all the shells in the chainsaw fight yeah. four yeah. shells at once you're you'd be tired all right holding that gun <laughs> there would be some pushback for sure this guy Andy, w- would he be tired after shooting a four <laughs> barrel shotgun i think carrying it around definitely and <laughs> and he was probably tired after the, sh- the chainsaw fight yeah I, yeah so, Get back. Have you ever seen Mandy? The chain <laughs> fight I thought was funny because there's this duel. It's kind of comical where we get to see like his his quad shot. He obliterates the four lurkers at once. And that's pretty sweet. And then like the last 20, 30 minutes of the film, I think really shine um, as far as the stuff that I kind of want from these sort of films. I want the campy fight and the, van- the violence, the chainsaw fight where he gets the best of this um this mask um, gentleman gas mask. The Gimp? I thought, um, the Gimp? Yeah, Liz was drawing him in her drawings. She saw him. Yeah. So he fights him and he's like, got the best of him. And you think like, oh, shit, he's going to win. And then he pulls out his chainsaw like, oh, no, I'll, I'll get up in close and dirty. And then the other guy finds a chainsaw off a shelf. He pulls it out. And it's like a phallic. <laughs> got like a 48 inch bar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the size of of Reg's and Reg is just sort of like his. He's emasculated at that moment. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he totally is. Character to He's be got the uh, Reggie has a McCullough Eager Beaver chainsaw, which I thought was funny. Yeah, you what mentioned is that. I think in our um, you mentioned that in our Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, so the the other guy happened to have a steel with like a forty eight inch bar on it. You could cut down like a redwood tree or something with it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what they were using that for at the uh, at the more t- the uh, ce- the cemetery or whatever. That's a good question. What were what were <laughs> they some big trees to limb at the cemetery? Yeah. Trying to make more room for more bodies, I guess. Yeah, the the it reminded me of the chainsaw from uh, Motel Hell. Yeah. Oh shit. Was <laughs> like that. Uh, you know that's on Tubi right now. Is it? Yeah. That's bonkers film too. Oh my, my god. My dad and I like to watch that one. You know what? We got to review that. Andy, we're gonna bring you back on for Motel. <laughs> Let's do it. That's yeah, a, that is absolutely. a classic. I, I fucking do enjoy that. I love that movie. Yeah, I think Jacqueline. Was it. Um. Yeah. So the, I don't know. That's it. We get the chainsaw fight. It's pretty cool. We get the they reveal they they um I love when they they get into the teleporter room and Reg gets bitch slapped by the tall man like <laughs> yeah. just sort of just does one of these and just like backhands him and, and he flies across the room just flying across the room and then like yeah. so they they use the ball to get into the teleporter room it's the same ball that took out the hand of the, so we skip that scene but that scene where like the mortician gets his hand caught and like has to hack it off. In order to get away from the golden ball, and yeah. then eventually the golden ball does get him later. And the golden ball is pretty sick. The way it's got all these different options. It embeds it's, in his back. Yeah, then teeth come out, like blades come yeah. out. They look so yeah. brutal, and they spit, it's burrow fantastic. In. But the problem is, is like, well, if it's in flesh, it's not going to move. Well, it does move. It it burrows around inside. I, it burrows I, I, right I up there. I know, but like like they grab it with like a velvet claw thing and it's like if it's in flesh you know we can move it around golden orb the golden orb stays remained and it's stuck in that guy's face yeah you know still i mean it's too many cooks in the kitchen i do remember that being really cool when uh because i thought it would come out his chest you know uh, when i was a kid watching this i was like oh it went upwards Uh, i thought that was a, a nice twist actually you see it coming out of his, like, bulging through his neck, and you're like, oh, shit, and then it gets stuck coming out right. of it. That, w- that was a uh, a nice little twist to what you thought was going to happen the first time I saw it, anyway. I liked mm-hmm. it. I think if the, mm-hmm. like, retracted his blades, it could have easily just, like, escaped out of his mouth once retracting those blades. I don't know. They, they tend to get stuck, these orbs. Like, they're pretty versatile <laughs> until they get stuck, and then they have to be kind of, like, wrangled. It It's flesh. I mean, that's what gives them the... Uh... Cool. Practical wise, like practicality wise, it like it looked really cool. Like his mouth split open with the blade yeah. coming through. That, that was an awesome effect. I, I really like that kill. Yeah, I I have no problem with that. I mean, they, these effects look good. I mean, again, yeah, you could see strings on the balls, whatever you know, but the effects look really good. And we get a glimpse inside the portal again to his dimension, and it's the same thing. It's a line of like the the. The minions in the barrels, like being birthed, I guess, and going back home or where. And then there's like one that gets out and he's coming towards uh, Mike. And then Mike crawls over Reggie and gets out of the portal and leaves Reggie kind of like <laughs> halfway in the portal. And then Reggie's face to face with one of these fucking like little grandpas crawling out of the uh, out of the ooze or whatever it is they are. What was the name of Mel Brooks in Spaceballs? Was he uh, Yogurt? Yogurt, yeah, they look. They, they that's what they look like. To yogurt. It's, just, it's like one scene in particular where, like, one of those things pays off. Where, where, where Liz sees the face of her grandmother on the one that's attacking. Yeah, 
And they, when you have a light, a loved one who can recognize the fact that their loved one has been turned into one of these things, I think that's impactful. I think that, that we don't get enough of that in these films, to be honest. I, I totally, I totally agree. I, I, I did. I. She was like grandma. It made me think about like, would I fight my grandma if she was? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and Liz did. I mean, Liz took her grandma out after that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. <laughs> but can we can we go back to the beginning when Reg fights one of these things and he breaks them in half like it's a plastic doll? <laughs> uh. He did throw. I, I I thought the uh, scene where he threw no. that one down the stairs was a good stunt. No, I, I'm talking at the beginning where like Wilson gets the like in the he actually just he picks up the, one of the dolls and he breaks it in half and just kind of like throws it to the side and like mm-hmm. he's still struggling with it. Are you talking about in his house before it blew up? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. but that was all a dream, John. That's why it didn't make sense. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. makes sense. Thank you, Don. Don Coscarelli. Yes, Don Coscarelli is channeling his energy through me mm. and, and giving me the mm. power to understand the continuity of... Because, like, the legs broke off and he picks up the other half of it like he's still struggling with it. Now. He had that, that wicked laundry shoot, too. That he had to climb up in the yes, first... Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I was like, what yes, is it? And then I realized, like, wait, I think homes were built this way back in the day. Where like, <laughs> So I guess, like... Dudes upstairs were just like, Mom, I'm done with my laundry. Here it is. And you just throw it down the chute and it lands. <laughs> we actually we had one of those in my house when I was growing up. Yeah. Really? It all went in a pile in the basement. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. When I was a kid, I had to do my own laundry, Andy. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. <laughs> so what do you guys think of like the very end where they take out the the tall man, or we think they take out the tall man, right? He gets, uh, we get a glimpse of the hellscape dimension the tall man's from, um, and like the container that the minion's being birthed from. And then the tall man attempts to embalm Liz. She's still alive. And the same batch that he's using is the one that Reggie spiked, right? So Mike pulls out the ball. It's being used as a key. He uses it to send it to into the tall man's head. It looks brutal. A lot of embalming fluid flies out, but then we find out that it's really nothing to the tall man because he's already dead. Yeah. Um, not a fan. I mean, like for me, it was just like, mm-hmm. it's just a dream. It's just a dream. No, it's not. I'm surprised the door didn't like close on Reggie, right? When he pulled out the key. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for him to pull out the key and the door closed behind him since that was what opened the door. And then like, that's true. And hmm. then Reggie's stuck in the teleporter room, but. I, I actually thought this ending. was a pretty good scene. I, I, I did like this scene and I like the shots. I, I think they are pretty effective, like the shots of hell. I don't know. There's some kind of like red filter on it or something like well, that. They look a lot like the vision that we see the orbs. Yeah. There, when we get the orbs POV, we're seeing like, it almost like goes like, um, like, it's not quite predator vision. Right. Yeah, it's kind it's of a heat kind of sensor like type thing. It's yeah. a lot more like what we see the, the filter on in the hellscape. So again, that's kind of why they see that way too. Mm. It would make sense, but yeah. So I kind of like Mike using a ball against um, the tall man. I like that, and you know, it, it is when those things drill into somebody's head. That's a just awesome uh, effect. And the sound effects that that mm. follow are really oh, good. they are. Those are that's actually a brutal sound effect. It, you know, it sounds like they burrowed into something that sounds like a skull. Like yeah, it and does. Then it, you can hear well, I love the way they stop the score and it's like <laughs> and then it pops out. 
Bowman's mm-hmm. probably going to be done, right? But then he like take he rips it out and crush mm-hmm. it as if it's nothing and throw mm-hmm. it aside, right. which I did like. And then he picks up Mike like a rag doll and lifts him up and just like this alien tentacle pops out of the hole in his head, which is sort of weird. But we sort of always thought like, well, is he an alien? Is he a demon? Like, what is he? It's a little weird to see something, though. I feel like us uh, us thinking that there's something there is is fine. But then when we get it, it never really. A lot of times when a movie like alludes towards something and when they finally pay it off, it's not always as rewarding as we'd want it to be. Mm-hmm. This is kind of one of those moments where it's like, OK, there's this weird tentacle that comes out of his head. I'm cool with it. Like for the scene, it plays out well. But when you think about it, like, OK, like is he built from weird alien parts? Like what's inside of him? Because uh, no, I agree. It. Um, I again, he's he's got all these, I don't know, powers that seem to be uh, powers that he got because it would be cool in the scene. Yeah, their situation. Like another another <laughs> one of those. Because in the third film, he's filled with an orb like spoilers, but like he has an orb in his head. Yeah. He, he regenerates his body like whenever he dies, another one comes out, basically. So like he's. Yeah. Like, and again, not knowing the third movie. I mean, for me, uh, obviously, it's an older movie. So spoiler, fuck that. Um, no, it's just I, like he—he's almost like a demigod to me. Like, like, like he's—he's he's yeah. got this invincibility. But I don't know. I mean, almost it's like, like a demon, but like a lower level demon that you would right, right. Getting everybody, he's getting the world ready for Satan and and the other demons to come through. Mm-hmm. So it's like slowly, you know, killing people and like turning their bodies into minions and then sending them off of the army. Yeah. eventually gonna. If he's a if he's an army officer he's like a lieutenant yeah you know? right and then the captain's gonna come out and then the colonel's gonna come out in general and then satan but you know he just seems like lower level officer i guess i don't know uh like he's getting those worlds set up for something yeah so the technical pops out mike rips it off mm-hmm. get like a good amount of ooze and stuff we get the the yellow ooze coming out of his body and then um what is it um Liz Liz gets loose, right? And she grabs the embalming needle and shoves it in his back at this yep. moment. And then yep. Mike finally, uh, Mike, Reggie finally comes out of the portal room and then like a slow-mo dive sort of deal, <laughs> dives for the machine to turn it on. Even though we've only seen the tall man turn it on, we haven't seen, Reggie's never actually figured out how to turn the machine on that way. But, oh, he figured out real quick though. Yeah, he knows what direction to turn it. Because the, the the movie shows us the process at some point, but it's Reggie's not there when it happens. Right, but it, but Reggie did load it. Oh, I, 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 get, I get the loaded. idea that Reggie looked at it to see yeah. how he would do yeah. that Intake. when he loaded it up. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's cool because it just injects this like this spiked fucking batch of embalming fluid into the tall man and he just sort of starts deteriorating if if i had to pick a favorite movie or a favorite part of the movie it would be that that was so much fun to watch gnarly i, I think mean, it's, it's my favorite it, part of the movie too i think it's great. yeah i mean just looking at it just the practical effects you know and freaking angus scrim you know older guy tall guy just has this shit like pouring out of his face in his head and, and what, like, fuck it was that like it's coming through his skin, his cheeks, mm-hmm. his neck is deteriorating, his esophagus is deteriorating, and then he like drops to a knee. You see his hand. He looks over at his hands, and his hands, the skin on his hands, is just like melting away. And then yeah, we see his eyeballs burst, and so yeah. like, and then he just becomes like a husk and just like keels over. Yep. And we're like, oh shit, we beat the tall man. 
Like we did. And then Reggie freaking ignites the place. He does. When we finally get to see the flamethrower, like really do some shit because it has. I know. (laughs) The chain started the fireplace earlier in the movie. It felt Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it did. That was a fox right there when he, when he, that's why he got laid that night. (laughs) I mean, Liz, they must have had like telepathy sex, (laughs) bad sleeping right next to each other. Right. I love you. We're in a dream. I mean, yeah, that was fire. Yeah. contrived scene as well um but yeah that flamethrower in general was kind of dumb to be honest he didn't really use it for anything besides that and the, like i never really saw him like torch any bad guys with it did he ever torch a minion i don't with, think he did like he, it so that and the chainsaw were kind of used as tools to like get past barriers that's more what it was meant for it was like a video game it was like oh you have this sidearm but it's really only meant for like opening doors you know <laughs> It's like a sure. death or something. But yeah, I, I mean, overall, it, it it's fun in the end. Uh, it takes a while to get there, though. Uh, so they torch the place. Reg torches the place. They hightail it out of there. That's pretty cool. And then Alchemy just shows up out of the blue. Excuse me. We saw her find a hearse earlier because mm-hmm. they left her at the house a while back when, when Liz got taken. She got she hotwired the hearse. Yeah, she yeah. hotwires the hearse, showing that, like, oh, she's a badass. Like, she's also, you know, in, an independent woman defending her. Uh, it turns out, like, she's just a servant of... The Why would she need to do that if she's the... Uh, wouldn't the uh, tall man give her the keys? I mean, did he mean her to find the keys? I don't know. Like, why was that know. hearse even there? And why was it there without the keys? Yes. It sounded like somebody was in the woods. There was, yeah. like, that she heard. And then she hightailed it out of there. But how were? Well, it's, it's, co- it's continuity of the movie. It's not working. <laughs> it's not developed. That's the problem. Yeah. They rejoice. The tall man. Uh, Michael and Liz in the back of the hearse while they're they're traveling. And Alchemy rolls up the partition for privacy while Reg is thanking her for standing by him. And she twirls her hair and a section of her hair rips off and shows her scalp and her bloody scalp. And I do really like that kind of scene. And then like the car harky jerks like left and right. <laughs> And you hear Reg like screaming, and the car comes to like a halt. And then he's Reg is at the back window, like oh, like dead, like he's just like trying to say Mike's name, gasping air, and he's like falls, kills over, he gets blood on the window and kills over. Mm-hmm. And then the car keeps going, and we're like, oh shit, the hearse is leaving them. Um, and he's presumed dead in the street. And then as it drives, Michael tells Liz like to calm down. This is only a dream. We must be dreaming. And then it's not a dream. Opens up. Yeah, we zoom in. I do like this scene, as cheesy as it is. The partition opens up. I like the ends of almost all of these films, even though they're ridiculous. Because I do kind of like that, like, here it comes. And he goes, It's not a dream, you know? And mm. then knocks them through the fucking window again with the minions grabbing them. And they yeah. that, every it, film basically ends that way. Right. But Andy, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I mean, it's just like, okay, you did it again. I mean, end it some different way. Uh, give me, uh, okay, you're going to make sequels out of this movie. It so it kicks in I, it. Badass. I, I thought the the whole thing with alchemy was kind of contrived too. I'm, uh, if, uh, uh, as far as the ending goes, I'm talking about like the, you know, the, the whole scene in the, like where they, you know, end up going through the door to hell. And I, I like that part. I thought the alchemy scene where she turns out to be a minion of, of the tall man is, was pretty, well, that was not my favorite scene. Happening at some, like the first time we meet her in the film, I feel like we're already thinking like, all right, she's obviously off. Yeah. But, but the delivery, 
was it like an M night Shyamalan type twist that I was <laughs> shocked by? No, <laughs> it wasn't. But I do like the imagery of like her, like, yeah. And like twirling her hair and like the hair comes off. Like, I thought that was like the grotesqueness of it. I thought I well, like Well, the, the being flirty part of like twirling your hair, like I'm really attracted to this guy was great. But then what? it's just like. Reg had banged her. So like there was that awful moment of Reg realizing that he banged her. <laughs> Corpse, like or reanimated corpse one or the other you know just to realize like hey that's to you bro don't be hitting on like 18 year olds like fresh 18 year olds that are shit (laughs) or it could it could be any worse than like a a person eating cereal without milk yeah i meant throughout the series the uh, reggie is just a creepy guy though i mean he's a cringely creepy guy in the entire series He's all about opportunable sex. If sex yeah. to arise and the opportunity is there, he's there. Dude, he couldn't even get his clothes off with that woman. <laughs> it's true. Because you didn't need clothes off. The way she was riding him and dry humping him, it was just like, on. it was like the best sex you've ever had. Well, for him, sure. Not me. <laughs> Again, I don't know. I. It's what the tall man thought sex looked like, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's it. Yeah. Because yeah, he's not from this world and he's not from a world where boy, keep your penis in your pants, boy. <laughs> but yes, Reggie. So that scene in general, just like when he pulls over and picks up a hitchhiker and then talks to like his buddy about like, oh, we've been out here for a while and I'm lonely. And like, well, well, those two are taking a leak together. Yeah, he's got his. Yeah. <laughs> like right next to each other. And hey, I you know I never I feel like I'm a confident man, but uh Michael was pretending to leak and then like Reggie was actually leaking. Yeah. And his dick well, his- there was someone was taking a piss because there was the sound for sure. Yeah. He's yeah. like, man, we should really keep her around. Like you never know. Yeah, and he's discussing like, this well. It was an odd, odd conversation, I, I thought. Bro, that's and then as as Reggie's talking about it, he's peeing into the into the leaves. Like yeah. I know. In my mind, I know that like alchemy is most likely not really a person anyway, but still, the way the film shot is like it's played out like she's a normal 18 year old girl. Well, which, Reggie obviously thought so, he banged her like 42. He shouldn't be got that bull. No, he didn't. He dry I mean, humped her. Well, yeah, he dry humped her, but I mean, like, I, I don't think he'd have done I don't he, grudge he'd him. Done... Like, look, if there was a scene where she came on to him and he was like against it but went with it, that's fine. His eager. Right very beginning is what bothers me it's not exactly from does a hookup between an older guy and a younger woman like that happens you know and hitchhikers do hook up with guys here and there like that's but also they don't always like it's not something you should assume because you picked up a young woman that she's going to sleep with you um but if like they had played that out a little bit more naturally at least where there was a little flirtation and some buildup and we got to know this character like there's nothing it's just like she's eager and he's there and he's just like yeah She's into me. And she's sort of like totally into it right off the bat. And it's like, no. Right. Yeah, yeah. Heidelberg, you're adding more plot to the movie, which would have made yeah. sense. But yeah. there is none of that. Yeah. No, I'm just saying what it lacked. To be I honest. know. I, I get that. You know, maybe it was the cuts. I don't know. I mean, to me, it just it made zero sense on this movie. And you're like, it's kind of yeah, cool. what you're saying. Perfect. OK, she's flirty. She's 18. She's of age. Reggie as like a. Kind of like a shitty dude. Sure, sure. 
That's but why he is. He, he, he's, he's like here that way throughout the entire series. He he yeah. says even creepier things in in Phantasm Three, if I remember right. He does actually. To to what's her name? Rosie. Yeah, I, I think he's he's yeah. It's uh, it's cringy. An honor in the hotel room. He like mm-hmm. just so that when they- was. Do you guys know when was Phantasm uh, 3 made? 1994. Holy fuck, really? Mm-hmm. So six years after this one was made. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll be honest, there's moments of Phantasm 3 that I do like, though. So. All right, that's oh, no, that's I think there's right. I think there's moments in every one of the films to like, but... Sure. Um, I feel like... If- you, go, you go from nine years, 1979, to 1988, to Curious to see what if you did a project and you were like AI, write me a new Phantasm like film, like <laughs> what you know about Phantasm, the older one. You know what I mean? Like I would love to see like what the take is. Yeah, I know where it'd be. It'd be a uh, freaking tall man making a garden in California with weed and mushrooms and stuff like that, and giving <laughs> it out to everybody, and everybody's good. I don't think it would be yeah. that. Did you guys no, ever? Did you guys ever hear of uh, Phantasm nineteen ninety nine? No. no. Roger Avery wrote a uh, uh, it was, should have been Phantasm 4. It never got produced. Roger Avery, is that the guy who did um, Pulp Fiction and uh, okay, and Zoe? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and he so he wrote a screenplay called Phantasm 1999, which would have been Phantasm 4. Never got produced. Uh, but, you know, I've read the script to that and it's it's not even that good. Is it you is think he, it's because he's going off of like the What's yes, that? it's because he's going off of what what the first three movies, and he, and he's keeping the continuity. Like if he exactly. just rebooted the whole, it's a post apocalyptic film. Reggie has like a uh, uh, squirrel monkey companion. <laughs> really? I'm not kidding. This is true. <clears throat> Does he have a shotgun? Up. What's that? Does the squirrel monkey have a shotgun? <laughs> I don't. I don't recall. I. I, I never re- actually read. The script. He's out did. of ammo. He grabs him ammo and brings it to him. That's awesome. Yeah. Roger Avery co-wrote True Romance, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Pulp Fiction. And Pulp Fiction, right? Mister Stitch. Let's see what that is. Twenty-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Watch a, it. He has a podcast with uh, Quentin. Yeah. He's a. Uh, so he, he wrote. You know, he's a good writer, but the. He couldn't even do much with this uh, material, so and maybe it would have been better, but it never got produced. So, and I don't yeah. know when Phantasm Four actually came out. I feel like it was the late two thousand two thousands. But how old is uh, Coscarelli, Andy? Uh, he's got to be in his maybe seventies now. I'm not sure. See, Phantasm. So I do ninety four was Phantasm three. The ending of the film, I do like. Uh, it's a little convoluted, but I do like the look on the the tall man's face as he's sealing their fate. He's they, 69, by the way. Oh. Like, yeah. 1954. A, and then they get pulled out of the window. And I just kind of like, I don't know. The the killer phantasm theme kicks in. And I just love that theme. Mm-hmm. So yeah. as, that scene maybe doesn't quite like line up. It plays well enough for me. When it plays, it's just like, I don't know. The music kicks in and there are other senses involved where I'm just like, yes, I dig this enough. But yes, it's silly. It's, it's very silly. Well, and, and like I said at the beginning, I think the the phantasm theme is really good. I, it's very underrated. I mean, it's creepy. It's got the. Oh, I agree. It's got the, the the feeling to it, the ambiance. I mean, it's got all those went from like an eighty synth sort of theme. Absolutely, yeah, I agree with that. 
Um, I think we've I think we've discussed enough on this film. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to touch on? Me? No. Before we get into our reviews? Yeah. Uh, All right, Hydraberg, you picked this freaking movie, man. What are you giving Phantasm from 1988? Phantasm 2, I'm sorry. Electric Boogaloo. A melange of thoughts, right? I do. I have a melange of thoughts. <laughs> uh, the relationship, <laughs> Reggie, I, I do enjoy. I, even if it's a little silly, I, I think, I mean, that's that's kind of where we, we lay our hat on the film. Um, we're focused on Mike and Reggie. Those are our two main protagonists. And for the most part, they're not bad. Even the fact that there's like a swap of Michael, I think the actor does a good job. Um, there's still like a rapport between him and Reggie's the actor who plays Reggie. And I think um, for the most part, it works. I, and it might be a detriment to the film, but I think there are other things that bring this film down before that. Uh, the tall man still being imposing and iconic. I love I love the fact that they are still able to keep him in the same imagery the way he's like portrayed in the first film. He is a really cool antagonist um, that I feel like has become very iconic over time, whether you like these films or not. And I'm sure there's people that don't like it or do. Um, there's probably sympathizers or I think we've done a good job of just acknowledging what's good and what's not good tonight. And we did it on our last episode that we covered Phantasm 1. Um, but overall, I think they're they're fun films. I, I, I think they do build upon the lore of the Tall Man in this a little bit. I like that. Um, we get more of that in the third film. The The new additions of the Sentinels um, and the way that they work were really cool. Like the new Sentinels and the, the fact that there was like more to them. They built upon that from the first one. So we got the, we got the chrome balls in the first one. But now we see the, there's a golden ball. And it has a different, like, uh, it has different techniques that it uses or mechanics. We find out, I think, in the third film, like, what the golden balls are. Uh, they mean something a little bit more. There's, like, right. significance to them. But um, there's just some really nice gore, too, built around the Sentinel kills. Like, we don't get enough of it, to be honest. But when we do, it's pretty cool. The priest getting killed, it's a gnarly scene. His ear gets chopped off. And when we get to see, like, the Sentinels, like, change out gears and, like, a new tool being released out of it. And like, it's such a small surface area, this little ball, but like the fact that it has these little goodies inside of it, surprises, they can come out these maniacal, like tools of destruction. It, I think that's interesting. I dig that as like just an aesthetic, whether it makes sense or not, like not everything me- needs to make sense all the time. It's a ball that floats through the air and kills people. I don't, that's all I need to know really. And I just want new ways that it does that. Uh, we get a little bit of that with this one with the laser. Um, we never actually see the laser. I don't think kill anybody. I'm not positive, but but we see it like get objects out of the way. Things that like have affected the ball where like it needs to get through a door, a doorway or whatever. And we realize, oh, it has a laser attachment now and it can shoot through the doorways. I do like that scene where it's chasing them through the doors. I think that's alarming. Like they can't hide from this fucking thing. Like even even when they put a steel door ahead of them, uh, it'll buy them some time, but overall, like eventually, that ball is gonna get fucking through unless they kill it. So I like that. Um, the tall man's death was pretty brutal, and I enjoyed every second of that. I I really dig the practical effects of all that with the acid coming through. It looked like real acid or something like eating through fake skin that was applied to the, the actor's neck, and I thought it looked pretty cool. You know, it's like crazy surreal, but like it looks good in the context with the the green blood and stuff. 
I like that. The surprise twist ending, although like a trope, especially for like this franchise, I still enjoy it. It works really well for like the ending of a uh, of a sequel in a in a dream state logic. So like the fact that like this is all sort of a dream state, like I understand that because that's sort of the logic that we took from the first film. So the fact that like the ending of this maybe doesn't all connect, you know, it's sort of the dream state thing sort of is like an excuse for that. I don't know. It's not necessarily like great storytelling, but it does service it enough where like, oh, okay, I can see past its flaws because, you know, it's sort of a dream state. Like, did this ever happen? When we saw the third film, did this ever happen? The kids getting pulled through the window. That's a trope that these films have, like at the end of all of them. Um, Those are kind of cool, though. Like they're tropey, but yeah, but they happen and you're expecting them. But when they happen, it's sort of like rewriting the next story. So it's like, well, the next story is going to start over. And some of these things might be like washed away. Uh, Did they happen or did they not happen? Well, it's dream logic. That's the state that we deal with with Phantasm. And that's sort of like that's definitely Coscarelli's doing um, because his other films follow that same method of storytelling. It's a little convoluted, though. Um, and it plays out throughout all his films. And it's you have trouble kind of build, building like connection to the films um, as a franchise. And that is an issue because it kind of restart a little bit each one. Uh, there are very boring moments, though, in this. The pacing and scenes are drawn out in a lot of scenes. And it's like 45 to 55 minutes in the film before it picks up. And the first film had the same problem, honestly, to be honest. I had issues with that as well as far as pacing. uh, these films are like 90 minutes, but they feel longer because of the pacing issues. It's a 90 minute film, but it feels drawn out. This film feels a lot like we're just going from location to location and Mike and Reggie are looking around and we're looking at things and we're we're bumping into things and like, there's a oh, there's a hint of danger, but then it doesn't happen. It's like, I just wish the tall man was involved more when they're doing their investigation stuff. Like, just give me a little bit more back and forth, a little bit of a cat and mouse with him where like maybe he's leaving things for you to fight or you know like how he left the freddy back uh humpback thing with liz as a message that was kind of cool if he did more of that where he left like uh a boss fight for them to you know i'm thinking video game wise but like yeah if they got to a location and he wasn't there but he left a message for them and something a trial to like overcome that would have been cool. It would have showed some action. We got would have got to see those cool weapons being used. Uh, maybe some, maybe you flamethrow something, burn something, burn it. I don't know. Use those cool weapons. Um, I just like I said, I just wish there was more of a chase, a cat and mouse with him. I think you could have had these like smaller scrimmages with him that would have like added up to the final battle, and that would have been pretty cool. And it would have filled out some of these slower scenes. The writing is pretty convoluted, too. I just like I mentioned it. I'll be honest. It's just like it's a complaint. And the first one, it's just it's part of these movies are made and like they're made on the cheap and they're made. I feel like not necessarily within context of like the first film before, because we're making these like years later. And there's definitely a gap between each um, the creative process of making these films because he's like crowdsourcing these the the budget and stuff like that and trying to make these things outside of Hollywood, which I respect the shit out of that. But at the same time, like if you have a great story to tell, maybe work with Hollywood. Um, you know, I know he tried in this, you know, and then like maybe this was just such a, a bad taste for him that he went off the rails in the in the rest of them. But I think some of the other films could have dealt with a little bit of a bigger budget. Uh, like I said, the, the writing's convoluted. And I, I like ultimately, I just wish Liz was more fleshed out and 
not just played as like a love interest slash damsel for Mike. Like, I feel like that character was established enough that there was something there. Like we could have built upon her and added her to the to the um, the group. Um, If you've watched the third one, they kind of just like get rid of her character again. So it's like, what was the point of building her up in this one? It's a lot like Newt and Alien, like Aliens. And then like Alien 3 just kind of like fucking like gets rid of that character. So it's like, I don't understand you build this character up and then just get rid of them. And I think there could have been moments for Liz to really shine. Unfortunately, she doesn't in this film. She's just tacked on by the studio. And it's just like a, a just a semblance to just throw a, a female role in a film. So with that said, I'm giving Phantasm. I don't know. I'm conflicted. I don't know where to give it. I'm, at this moment, I'm just sort of sitting at a 6.0 out of 10 rowdy dry humps. <laughs> Okay, on a seven and i think a six is enough of a of a bump to show that like i did enjoy aspects of this film um but i i can understand not everybody's going to and it definitely takes a, a hit compared to the first one as far as storytelling uh john how about you i'm gonna save our guest for last all right perfect um i actually really really enjoy phantasm the original um I just had this like different feel to it than any other slasher movie or any other horror movie that you watch. Mm. Tallman is a great antagonist. Yeah, he is. He he wasn't highlighted as much in this movie. Um, I just felt like they could have brought that in. Um, some of the things you said, you know, it's like, yeah, we can bring him in. We can bring all these other characters. But I mean, <clears throat> the plot of this movie was so dumb. I mean, it was just like, it was, it was so hard to watch. It felt like, you know, just watching a mis- mishmash of, okay, so this movie's made almost 10 years later, but we've seen these other movies, so let's bring it all together and make this beautiful cake, dessert, uh, entree meal, and it just didn't work. Um, I love the character of Reggie. I think Reggie's, like, awesome, and even though he's, like, misogynistic at times, and... um you know, dry humping, you know, a girl that is probably like 30 years younger than he is. Um, it's a little gross, but I don't know. You, you're kind of drawn to that character. As a male, yes, I, I can understand that. Yeah, and it's like... like I wish Jacqueline was here to give us that feminine. Uh, yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for me, it's like, like okay, Reggie was fine. Um yeah, I mean, the characters just didn't make sense. It, it was so hard to watch again in my 40-plus years of being alive, of, like, watching this. It's like, what are you guys doing with this movie? I mean, the gore was fantastic. I love the gore of this movie. Um, it didn't feel CGI'd. It felt almost natural a little bit. But, oh God. And, Andy, I blame you, man. Uh, Phantasm is a great, great movie. I mean, it it could go in my top 10 because it was, I don't want to say it was fun, but it was just more of a, it was a better watch. It was just like something that you can watch all the time. I'm not going to detract people from watching this, but it just, it was so disjointed in a lot of ways. Um, I'm going to give, I'm going to give this, uh, what was the unit of measurement? Uh, Rowdy, Rowdy Dry Humps. All right, I'm going to give this a 4 out of 10 Rowdy Dry Humps. Um, man, I I had a hard time watching this movie and without going, like, putting my hand into my face and going, oh, my God, what is this? So, sorry. Uh, Andy, what do you think? 
Um, Before I get to that, uh, Coscarelli has talked about making a Phantasm video game uh, very recently. I'll take Uh, that. And (laughs) I I actually think this, uh, the story would be very conducive to a video game. Get the balls and everything. I think it would be, uh, that that is a good format to tell a Phantasm story, actually. But um, as far as Phantasm 2 goes... I wouldn't actually watch this unless you're a diehard Phantasm fan. And if you want to be a completist, I, I think you watch the first one. And uh, I don't think any any of these other movies are really necessary to, to watch uh, unless you're really a diehard Phantasm fan. Or uh, if you haven't seen them already, then I don't think there's any there's a lot better ways you could spend your time if you're a horror fan. Um, this movie was special to me because it, it introduced me to the to the phantasm franchise uh the marketing for this particular movie was the ball is back and i remember those commercials being played on the radio and on tv and i really wanted to see this those balls looked so cool um and uh, it was you know like everything it was kind of a uh, in this movie it was kind of a letdown because uh they really aren't a huge part of it now there are some really cool aspects of it uh, introducing different types of balls and things like that, sentinels, whatever they're called. Um, and I think uh, Hydroberg, it, it's, and it, you were kind of cautious as to how you said, but I think it's totally fair to say that he should try to work within the Hollywood system to improve this, because I think that's where some of this faltered is that he didn't have enough input on, uh, and there wasn't enough reining him in on on some of this stuff. And three, four, and five are not great movies. There, I, I would say this is actually the second best Phantasm film. Um, I think it's, in my opinion, the second best Phantasm film. Um, but there are a lot of problems with it. Uh, I think the both female characters, one is you know they're just tacked on. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is damsel damsel in distress, and the other one seems to be there just to get fucked by Reggie to you know be a, a <laughs> tack on some nudity into the film that the uh, producers probably wanted at the time. Um, yeah, you know, and, and I and I do have to say, like the late eighties and nineties would have been a bad time to let go of this IP. I think um, because you know look look at what like Halloween at the time. We got some terrible Halloween movies in in the early nineties and, and mid nineties and uh but uh with the state of horror now and and the state of storytelling on film i think you could uh it is could be done a lot better if he kind of let it go a little bit and let somebody else uh get give this a try and rebooted it um again there's great things in this movie though there, there's a great there's a just great antagonist and i think that uh the tall man has some of his some some of his best moments in this film actually um there's great ideas. the The balls are are pretty great. Uh, the barracuda is awesome, even though it gets destroyed in this film. Uh, and, uh, but you know, a lot of the, a lot of the ideas are aren't really executed all that well uh, in the movie. And um, you get some really cool scenes, but there's nothing in between. There's nothing that really it's kind of empty emptiness in between these really cool scenes. Uh, it's almost like watching a string of youtube video highlights of a of a good film or something mm-hmm. um like you guys said the gore and effects there's some great gore and effects in in this movie and, and i really did like it uh I like some of those i i should say um 
having the tall man get hit with the ball and, and that embalming fluid spraying out, that was, that was pretty great. And, uh, and I actually did like the, the scenes where they went to hell and, uh, or whatever that, uh, realm is where the, where the little people, uh, run around and, and it's red and everything. Um, ending was a little contrived, I thought and silly, uh, and eye rolling. Um, but, uh, again, it's, 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 I, I was surprised at how much I, I was looking forward to watching it. And I was surprised at how little I really enjoyed a lot of it. Um, and like both of you said, uh, it takes a long time to get going. And I don't remember that being the, the case the last time I, I, I checked this out. Neither did I. Uh, what's that? I said neither did I. Yeah, yeah. So I think overall... I'm in between both of you guys on this. I, I wrote down that uh, I give it five out of ten rowdy dry humps uh, for uh, for Phantasm Two. And again, I just I just don't even think it's worth watching unless you're really a fan of it or you've seen it and you have some sort of nostalgia for it, like I do. Right. I'll be honest. I I, I kind of want to change my score. Okay. I'm thinking a five point five. Okay, that's fair. What did Jacqueline give it? Uh, she I know gave, she watched it. You give it a four out of ten. So she definitely. Yeah. Issues with it, but I, I really, and I, I can kind of, I can kind of think, surmise what some of her issues might have been. Um, yeah. A lot of it, continuity with storytelling, she's big on that. Um, the, the usage of, of female characters in this film is very underplayed. They're just tacked on for certain reasons, for, for male reasons, right? For as a sure. love interest, as a foil, as a, um, as you know, a sexual object. Uh, there's never anything, and Liz's character especially, like you could have tacked on Alchemy's character and had those aspects for her character, and that would have played out because she's a villain. But the right. fact that like Liz's character isn't even developed, like you should have developed Liz's character and made her seem like one of the group. You know what I mean? She's coming well, again, in, and that's the problem is that that there there was so much input coming into this movie. It just seems like you know they're pulling from from all these fruits and let's mix it up. And I don't, I don't even, you know what? I I gotta say like the female characters in it, that's not even endemic of the time because you have like strong female characters at this time. You have like uh, uh silence of the lambs, which has a strong female lead. You have, uh, you have a lot of horror movies, um, Halloween for that matter. I, I'm I mean, not, it, yeah. I'm not saying that it's, it, it's pulling from, you know, trying to get a strong female lead. I'm just saying right. that, you know, whoever was inputting into Don Coscarelli's head uh-huh. was just pulling from every horror movie that they, oh, they saw, like like between the, the the ten years of uh in between this the, movie to the first one. So then the female audience, and we're gonna we need a female character. But, a, but, yeah, that's well, what what I'm, all I'm saying. I'm not saying anything against what you just said. I'm just saying that it, it's not even endemic of the time. It's not like we can say, well, this was the 80s. This is the way people, uh, you know, this is the way female characters had to be in the 80s. It wasn't. Studios. It's just a, a flawed, uh, a bad writing is what it that, is. That, but that's my point, is that yeah. it's not about that. It's about mm-hmm. just so <laughs> the cooks in the kitchen, that, mm-hmm. that cliche of, you know, hey, there's so many ideas coming at you. Let's put everything in there to make it a great that, movie. And it failed. Coscarelli too, because his character of Reggie is there's issues that that character has in other. Um, I, I agree with that hundred percent, but I'm just yeah. saying that, that, that Coscarelli had this, you know, lightning in the bottle. And then all of a sudden all these other producers and writers and came in and said, 
add this, add that, add this, add this. This is going to be the best thing you've ever made. I think the <laughs> thing that we've spoken on on this episode and the first episode that we covered, Phantasm 1, is that it's prime for a, a remake. I think if you're going to remake a franchise, reboot. A, a reboot. I, we don't need a remake of this movie. Do a road movie with a detective element to it and give me some like Mad Max shit on the road happening too, with like vehicles, combat. Um, a demonic entity who's got minions that he can control. I don't know, like clones that can be created. There's as plenty- long as it's not part two, I'm fine with that. There's plenty of stuff right there where you can show. Yeah. And you know what? Flip it and make Reggie a female character. Fuck yeah, you should. Yeah, yeah like, so do I. You fucking like chick with a mullet or something like that. And you're <laughs> like, this chick's, this chick's badass. She's driving a Tesla. She yeah. fucking, no, I mean, she drives the muscle car. So that is the muscle car of nowadays. It's a Tesla. I don't know. He's like the he's like the he's like what drives Michael in the first film, but in the second film, he's not like quite. You know, they bring him back though. Do they bring Jody back? They in the other movies. They, they do. Yeah, he comes back. Necessarily <laughs> add anything. Yeah. All right. Not watching those. Anyways, continue, Heidelberg. Do we have a trivia for this movie? What's that trivia? Yeah. Some trivia, yeah. Jacqueline sent me some trivia. Bear with me; it's not my trivia. Uh, some of it's like etched off with some marker, so I'm just gonna make sure that like I, some of it's kind of moisten your eyes. Gonna moisten my eyes. Uh, so right. around the six minute mark, it says here a sequence involving an entire house exploding in the flames. I already mentioned this. It was the California uh, 105 highway uh, freeway construction, and they bought the house for 500 bucks, and they were able to demolish it and then remove it, and that was basically part of they the, why they were able to get it for such a cheap um you know price because they Damn. were remove it themselves i don't think that the state knew that they were going to blow it up and then remove it that way but they did yeah. and so that was pretty cool that they were able to get that um filmed uh brad pitt auditioned for the role of mike what <laughs> can you imagine uh the film's Three million dollar budget was ten times larger than that of Phantasm from nineteen seventy nine, and the biggest one in the franchise in the entire franchise. It's the biggest. Wait, budget. that was made on three million dollars. Dollars, which was ten times larger than the first film, and then right. most that he's ever been given to make these films. Um, well, he's generated the money, I think, himself after. Yeah, I think four and five okay. were definitely like Kickstarter. Yeah, uh, Reggie okay. Bat. Did all his own stunts uh, for the work in this film, except <laughs> where he has to jump over a chainsaw, which they wouldn't um. let him. So kudos, <laughs> to that. he did his own stunts. I think he gets really? uh, knocked around pretty good too. I I knew I that going into it, and I kind of watched. For he gets like thrown on a steps and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, here's one I mentioned it, but I'll mention it again because I think it's relevant. Uh, Don Coscarelli admits the following direct influences by Universal during the making of the movie. A, or whatever point this is, the illusionary style of the first movie was discouraged, and a more linear plot line with voice-over narrations of various characters was required. I do actually like the narrations of Reg, just because I think his voice sounds kind of cool, like in a narrator's voice. Um, but I Yeah, but how does it fit into the plot of the movie? The, I mean, it doesn't really do anything. Also, right? Yeah, it, it yeah. doesn't. Uh, no dreams by any characters were allowed in the final cut, right? So they didn't want any of that in there. A female lead had to be added as a love interest for the character of Mike. Actress oh, Paul my God. was cast in the in the part. 
Universal executives wanted to recast both a Michael Baldwin and Reggie Bannister because they were unknown and had been out of the movie business since the release of the first movie. Don Coscarelli reinsisted their efforts and were forced to audition both of them over again for the roles, um, for the opportunity to reprise their roles. In the end, his efforts won him a concession. So he was allowed to keep one of them out of the two. And he chose, like I said. Yeah, yeah, Reggie. Yeah, Yeah. like James uh, LaGrosse for Baldwin. So you're you're telling me all these producers (laughs) said, okay, so Don, um, you get to pick one of the two. Well, the romance thing was a thing for them, I guess. That was something they were fighting for. The, the... Uh, okay, that's fair. I mean, I understand that. But, I mean, that sucks. That It does suck. The fact that they were just like, oh, we have to check off these boxes in order to make a successful film is... is, is Wait, both... Andy, let, let me ask you something. So, so um, Mike was, what, 12 or 13 in the original movie, right? So yeah, this is nine so. years later. Mm-hmm. So, so that puts him at 21, 22. But he was supposed to be 19. <laughs> mm-hmm. 19, and he had a, a great knowledge of customizing. You know. <laughs> customizing hardware for weapons, even though he'd been in a uh, mental yeah, uh, asylum that been for <laughs> nine years. So, yeah, maybe he learned something in the asylum. They had like a D yeah. something. We don't know. That's why we need a prequel or an in-between film. No, 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 no prequel. <laughs> I don't care. Just if you're going to do a reboot of the movie just do the movie by itself because so, i think we all agree the first one is the best right of reshooting oh, yeah. Lori loman uh i'm sorry lachlan played young mike at the beginning of the movie which picks up after the first phantasm film wait L- wait so the the woman from okay. family matters i don't know that L- that's Lori laughlin is that what you said laughlin or lachlan yeah l-o-r-i person l a u g h i n i yeah for sure. I, I'm that, saying, that's her i doubt it's her but maybe maybe it is. no that, that that's how she paid for her kids stunt to work. go to college <laughs> right. stunt work too though like she's running away from the explosion so i don't think they're gonna have a normal regular actress playing that uh okay. right, yeah i understand quit acting in the nine years between phantasm 1979 and phantasm 2 and worked okay. for a time at a funeral home and assisted in embalming bodies. Reggie? Yeah, Reggie. <laughs> wow. I did not know that. That's interesting. That is that's great. Well, that's why I knew how to turn on the embalming machine. <laughs> yeah, he <you> did. <laughs> exactly. So, like, it makes sense now. I take it all back that, obviously, that explains why he knew about it. Because the actor... Well, shit. We should have read his IMDb back in 1988. Fuck. We should have known that. Credit him for certain bodies that he embalmed. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be on IMDb, but I'm just, it might be I, a, I, an important, as they say during an interview. I jerked. I know. I got it. I was making a joke. Did I <laughs> uh, so the casting of James LaGrosse has had a conflicted effect on the cast members because LaGrosse reportedly really enjoyed the time that he spent on the production and got along very well with the cast and crew, which I think shows on screen. I think he did kind of like. Uh, is that the that guy played Mike? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just yeah. making sure. Okay. And so uh, nowadays, Coscarelli and Angus Scrim, well, Angus Scrim has passed since then, but uh, Reggie Bannister, they all speak glowingly of their experience with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I, um, a Michael Baldwin, however, appears to remain bitter about the incident, and I can understand a little bit, but like, don't hold on to it either, bro. 
Um, I get it. Like they skipped you, but you know, you still decided to do more of those movies. But in an audio commentary for Phantasm Three, he mentioned uh, twice referred to Phantasm Two as like the film that shall shan't be named. And then he also stated that in a podcast interview that he considers it the most terrible movie in the series. Which some of the refle- some of the things that we've talked about tonight would infer that it could be the most terrible movie in the series based on some. Yeah. I couldn't honestly say because I haven't seen three, four, or five. So I don't know. Um, to me, there was... Yeah, you know, at some point, which really is rough. I don't hate it. I just don't, you know, if you want to... Like Andy said, if you're a completionist and you want to watch the entire, like, whole... I have a box set. I'm going to finish them in the next couple of You weeks. should. You should. Let me know. It's been it's been a long time since I watched three, four, or five, but uh, it was my opinion that this was definitely the second best of those yeah. four. I got the re- second best of the the five movies that they made. Are you rethinking that now after today? No, no, I'm I'm not actually. I, 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 <laughs> Is that not like bad? four and five were just too weird. They were like okay. somebody's art film. They're off oh, okay. script. Yeah, oh, they're they? they're really they incomprehensible. Man, a lot and like what created him and like why he's like they're bizarre and and i didn't i don't know but how can like phantasm to me is just you know it's like one of those hidden gems or like unappreciated classics right but then you watch this fucking garbage and it's well watch three four and five once and tell me what you think. no uh, i'm okay i'm i'm good i watched two i think that's a good idea uh phantasm three uh directed by don (laughs) i'm just kidding Directed by Rob Zombie. All right. oh, just to make sure we get it in there. Here's some more trivia. This is interesting. We're on the 50 right. mark. Uh, the scene in which Father Myers has one of his ears cut off by a sphere. Uh, mm-hmm. It was shot by having the actor laying on a table and the camera lying on its side, giving the appearance of standing upright. The sphere was then just cut. It was then dropped like past his head. And the fake ear plants was pulled off the head with uh, monophyllant, which is the the... The string that you say you can all oh, like the rope thing. Okay. Monofilament uh filament um on the effects crew. The effects the sequence was ended up having to be filmed twice though, because the key scene of like when the sphere passes by his head and the air falls off, uh it occurred in a split second between frames and the, the sphere passed by and it was like out of shot because it happened oh. fast enough where it was only visible through like in between frames and it was like it didn't work, so they had to redo it. Oh. So that's interesting. And it was interesting the way they did it to get the falling effect and like have the well the game. fact yeah the <laughs> fact that he was laying on his side and they did it like him laying on his side because it did look like he was standing up and yeah, yeah the way I, that was a good that was a good scene that was a good good Bit effect of, uh, yeah. we, this earlier metal band White Zombie included a sample of the Tall Man's line Do you think uh, when you die you go to heaven you come to us they included that in their song uh, Disaster Blaster or something something got cut off here so I don't know. If I'm missing part of the song, but um, yeah, so that was cool. Uh, Sam Raimi, good friends with Don Coscarelli, actually uh, visited the set more than once on an occasion. I don't know if he was aware of the little bone bag. There we go. Wait, That's no, why. hold on a second. Andy brought that up. He said that it, it was Sam Raimi's bones in right. the it, it ashes. Sam, Dr. Sam Raimi on the bag of whose bone. Yeah. Uh, that makes more uh, sense then. Interesting. Ash, actually. And then there's like some teeth that he was bashing up trying to like uh-huh. break. And then he pours it into the bag and you see the name of the bag and it's Sam Raimi. Um, the United uh-huh. States Conference of uh, Catholic Bishops 
greatly uh, objected this film um, upon release. They just labeled it morally offensive. Doesn't surprise me. Um, that's really not that that great, but you know that's just our our country in general. Uh, this is the only Phantasm movie that does not include the original uh, entire original cast. Um, Bill Thornberry as his character did not appear in this film, and the only other to replace the main character with any other character was James Legros playing Mike. Okay, but who's Bill Lathorne? Was he he played Jody? Yeah. Okay. Jody is in other films. Oh shit! All right. No, I'm not going to watch him though. But he's in other. So he does reprise his role, but not in this one. Okay. Uh, this is the last film in the series in which the idea is that the tall man exists in a type of illusionary world, which only psychic people can sense, and that everyone else simply sees a normal funeral director and is oblivious to what is really going on. This particular plot thread had been made the first film confusing to audiences, uh, and after Phantasm Two, later films simply just slowed the tall man as a show this tall man as like a straight up just real world villain with well, that was supposed to be happening i okay yeah they, yeah agreed i'm like what yeah the dream state as much as they do in the first so one. so he so they, he didn't exist but he only existed in psychics minds. well in the first one that's why that that's why like the uh fortune teller i guess can like sense what's going on with that Okay. Oh, yeah, I kind of remember. Yeah. That the town wasn't aware of what was going on because they, when they looked at him, he just looked like a normal dude, I guess. Just like he could look like a normal woman to, uh, like, Thomas, uh, Tom, and what's his name? Uh, wasn't it Thomas? Mike. Jody? Mike. Jody no. and Mike. Uh, and the scenes where he, like, seduces them. He becomes, like, the hot woman, the lady in lavender. Oh, that's right. The fact that he yeah. could do that means, like, maybe he can also... Do the other stuff that we do. Anyway, um, yeah, that's it for trivia. All right, sweet. Sorry for the abrupt ending, but I ran out of trivia. I realized. Andy, I'm curious. What are you working on, my guy? Are you working on uh, books? Yeah, yeah. That? I'm uh, I'm writing a uh, kind of a prequel to some of the other books. I'm. Uh, oh, please tell that uh, uh, you're talking about your vampire books, right? No, no, no. <laughs> it's uh, not that one. I remember like a fantasy uh, sword and sorcery type of series, which was on Amazon, but uh, I pulled it off of there. Kind of working with a literary agent now to actually publish some th- the tradition. Yeah, why are you give me the people's eyebrow? Tell us what you're working on. Oh well, it's it's just a like kind of a the origin story of that world that I had created. Kind of, I, I wrote about like. I don't know, maybe 15 novels that are, that were in that, that world that were bad. And uh, so, so I'm kind of working on um, making that, polishing that up and making it actually publishable. Can I ask you like, like spoiler alert, did you get mm-hmm. to work with Anya to like get the, like the, uh, the, the pictures of that or the. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it, well, the vampire series, actually that might still be out there. The erotic vampire series I wrote. Yes. Uh, yes. under a pseudonym uh <laughs> which was terrible i and you know what like the first one book was fine i guess but the i got so sick of writing uh about uh you know coming up with u- euphemisms for dicks that i i never <laughs> want to write erotica ever again but okay. uh and i found i was very bad at it um, <laughs> um but yeah uh anya gore did some covers for us and uh and uh actor named renee rabora 
mm-hmm. played the main characters of those uh those novels and they were the um they were on the covers of those books uh and that was part of that world um which actually became kind of an important uh, the story of of that became kind of important minus all of the erotic scenes <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so it became a, uh, an important part of the lore so i i have to kind of uh write the backstory to that which probably won't be erotic um but um, but yeah i've been i've been working on that and actually i don't know what happened with uh i i haven't uh been able to see what was going what's going on with Anya Gore lately because my patreon doesn't work i don't know if i got maybe they blocked me i don't know i think they blocked you because you're creepy no i'm just <laughs> yeah, kidding i'm no. pretty creepy i don't, I don't doubt that <laughs> no i'm just kidding I, yeah I, I like uh i've tried to like renew my patreon for them and and it just doesn't work so i don't really know what's going on with uh anya how about yeah. going on instagram she answers to that yeah hey, anya, talk to her you, on there hold on a second we're, we're talking to anya next week please oh talk awesome to her. Oh, yeah, cool. on what are we what are we covering next week oh Is you want me to reveal it now your pick really us oh you're gonna watch yeah okay that's her favorite movie covering up <laughs> special guest anya gore awesome mm-hmm. well i'll be definitely listening to that yeah that'll Hell be, yeah that'll be fun um that'll actually close out we've have covered all of peel's films at that point okay. yeah nope uh get out and then us yeah yeah so i like, do want to watch key and peel can we do that for an episode um we could do some side content we can we could fill something out there maybe we'll get the patreon going absolutely so andy where can they find your books again man i'm sorry uh well nowhere anymore they're uh pulled off amazon.com what so. are you working on <laughs> when are they coming out Too much. Uh, i don't i don't know i have to get pub- I it's going to take me a while to i'm kind of in the uh planning phases of it now and i figured i would take i you know i could talk to my agent and uh I figured I'd take a couple months here to kind of really figure this, figure the story out since we kind of figured out how important story is. Uh. <laughs> All right. So, so you can curse on this, figure this shit out. And then when you get it figured out, you're coming back on so we can plug it. Right. Absolutely. man. yeah, but you bet. definitely I'm had some it. like great strides in ideas while covering phantasm too. Right. What's ahead. Doing this while seeing Phantasm 2 and reviewing it, you realize all the mistakes that you could make as a story. <laughs> yes. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it, it was hammered home how important the story is. Uh, <laughs> so I, I want to get it right. Right. So, a- Andy, I have an idea for you for this next book. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, I'm not going to throw that shit. All right. So in the meantime, if you wanted to find us, say, online, you could mm-hmm. find us at Instagram. At a cut above one word dot har underscore review. You can Are also we on X? I'm calling it Twitter still. Okay. Well, let's call it Twitter. Uh, called Twitter. Um <laughs> and you can find us at um a I'm sorry, at uh cut above har one word. And exactly Facebook? Oh yeah. Hold on. I'm gonna get to Andy. Andy, where can they find your old writings? Uh nowhere. They're pulled nowhere. off of Amazon. They're gone. They're gone. Okay, <laughs> never mind. All right, uh, go find us on Facebook, A Cut Above, Colin Horror Review. Make sure you rate and review us. Uh, you rate us on, uh, what is it, Spotify and iTunes, and you can review us on iTunes. So we appreciate yeah. it. And if you want to, go find uh, Horror For You and listen to past episodes. Some old episodes. If you, you want, know, a lot of people do, actually. They, people still contact me about that. So uh, Really? Well, listen. Must build, still be some interesting content that uh, isn't dated on there. Yeah, you guys- Especially our, our porno video. 
when we're talking about like the guy's nuts getting ripped out and and i had to call it a bag or something right couldn't curse right (laughs) no we couldn't curse (laughs) no we couldn't i think i said shit one time on it and it was just like he looked at me and went no that's fine just come back in there or something too so Oh, I almost I, I forgot our email, by the way. Oh, uh, shit. All right. Want to email us? Um, people rarely do. But if you do, I would appreciate it. Uh, you can email us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. Yeah. Make sure you email that and tell Hydraberg how much you love this pick and you're not looking forward to us next week. Please. <laughs> I think us is a good palate cleanser after uh, watching the very robust and uh, complex story that is phantasm too i think um you know this film it leaves you a lot uh a lot of things to think about and i think you know i think you just kind of gotta kind of wash in those you know marinate in those thoughts for a little while for at least the next week till we cover us yeah and andy i'm sorry you had to be on the show i apologize oh, it's, but it's we, we, we love you very much um <laughs> but andy make on. sure you listen next week for 2019's us yeah, make sure to join us next week for us. And we'll have special guest Anya Gore. I just want to pump her up one more time. And until awesome. then, remember to keep it creepy.